Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard, and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And here we are again for another episode of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Only two rounds remaining before we get into the 2021 final series box head. It is upon us. Well, it's not upon us yet, but it's close. And uh, yeah, it seems to be narrowing up. Top four is narrowing up. Bottom of the eight is narrowing up. We've got a few teams that are are now definitely out of mathematical contention. So yeah, things are... uh, I guess finalising, but uh, yeah, a couple of really, really good games this weekend, defining games, starting off with our first one, obviously, my boys, the Titans, a must-win game against Newcastle, so that essentially now is a semi-final, really, it's a semi-final for the Titans, so yeah, there's plenty to look forward to, we've got the the South Roosters traditional battle as well, so no, there's plenty to look forward to this weekend, I think the footy's been overall pretty good. Uh, probably with the exception of those teams that have stunk the joint up all year, but can't expect too much out of out of some of the sides. No, like you said, I guess a few a uh, bit more strained in terms of mathematical chances remaining. Newcastle now on eleven have basically but ensured themselves of seventh spot. It's going to be. Yeah, is there, there can't be. Is there a possibility where they miss out? They must have to lose both. I think they'd have to lose both, and teams under them on nine: Titans, Raiders, Sharks would all have That's to win. Both, yeah. And they've got. They've all got better for and against than Newcastle. Much better for and against um, yeah. after their poor start. But it's it's highly unlikely that all three of those teams come up with a trifecta. And Newcastle obviously affect that directly playing the yeah. Titans. Um, but there's also last round, Cowboys or Brisbane, I think it is. Last round, Newcastle. They play in Brisbane. Wow, well, they only played Brisbane two or three weeks ago. So, well, so. mathematically, there's a, possi- there's a possibility there they could lose both. Like Brisbane are playing footy at the moment. Mm. Mathematically, there's only three teams eliminated, but it's highly unlikely that Brisbane Dragons Warriors on eight find a way to get in. Yeah, no, they're, they're not getting in. Um, you know, one win and a couple of losses on the weekend, yeah, but essentially all of them are going to need both results. And Imagine Brisbane win two and everyone else falls over and the Broncos made it. Oh, <laughs> they can't make it. They're, they're, they're mathematically gone. They're on six. I'm just saying, yeah, hypothetically. But, yeah, them, the Cowboys, Bulldogs, all gone. Tigers, Dragons, Warriors, eight apiece. They're one win behind eight spot in Cronulla, but four and against... West Tigers, Dragons, and Warriors all minus 100 plus as compared to those in front of them who were minus 32, minus 46, etc. So it's going to be highly unlikely. Um, Canberra, Titans, Sharks, you think, obviously being all banked up on nine. Best opportunity to grab that last spot. 
Uh, Sharks four and against a little bit better than the Titans, and then you got the Raiders forty points behind. I guess. Well, that was only because they beat the West Tigers by thirty on the weekend. Mm. Before that, the Titans haven't covered. Thanks a lot, West Tigers. Mm. And you look at a team like the Sharks. We spoke about it earlier in the year. The ones that usually cost you, they lost to the Bulldogs. I think it was early doors. That's one of those games that yeah, you. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. They, they did, lost yeah. to Brisbane. They, they, get, the they get Brisbane again, yeah. but essentially they could have locked that place up by now. Um, they should have. You've yeah, got the goal. Any of those teams, like Canberra, Gold Coast, Cronulla, Warriors, like all those teams, they, like if they fall in, good luck to them, but if they don't, it, it's on them. Like it's, they've, they've all had below average years, and the only reason they're in contention is because they've got a a group around them who have just been exactly the same. Mm. You've got the Titans, like you said, showing glimpses against poor opposition, but any time it's been a crunch game or a game against decent opposition, they've rolled over. Um, yeah, well, like, how many players in Melbourne have out on Thursday night? And we jumped it. We jumped just at the start, which was fine, but it was always that, you know, that old adage that can you produce it for 80 minutes? And they, yeah. They just couldn't. And on top of that, uh, Melbourne's used 30 players this year and they've still produced that wing record yeah, which is, right. is, is incredible 30 would usually Missing assume Smith, Missing Hughes like come on yeah so Nelson there was a few that were, were out the hand uh, like I know the Titans had a few out as well but they're, they're yeah close yeah the fate <laughs> is in their own hands you've got the Warriors who play Canberra so one of those is definitely going to be highly unlikely after this weekend you've got Canberra's two games which are favourable realistically if they beat the Warriors and then they manage to beat the Roosters next week with the injury toll they've got again and heading into the finals that's a possibility Gold Coast Newcastle this weekend again direct effect on where they end up and then they follow that up uh, finishing off with the Warriors as well who will be direct competition if they end up winning Sharks you'd think Brisbane this weekend must win, and I, I get the feeling they might get a gift last round from Melbourne, possibly, if not, of them resting. I don't, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I think Bellamy's... He's, yeah, he's not, I don't think... He, like, he rested Smith on the weekend. Well, we're resting so, again this week. Yeah, I, I, don't, think, I don't think they're going to rest last round, man. That, that's my gut feel, but I think you'll want a, a bit of a run with his best 17 if they're available, obviously, into that last round. I don't think Cronulla are going to get a freebie there, particularly if this, like, I know the streak, you know, is more important this week, but I I, I don't feel as though there's anyone there for Melbourne, really, that haven't had time off that need time off now. So I'd be pretty keen if I was Bellamy just to keep it rolling. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see. But tackle one, I should have said that before. Our set of six, six topics, opinions, things, anything we want to talk about. Essentially looking at the top eight in the battle for that. First, we can all but almost guarantee that Melbourne will not drop two games in a row to give up that position. They're waiting to see who they're going to be playing at fourth position. 2v3, we just saw a preview on the weekend. Panthers versus Rabbitohs. That game will be locked in again in a couple of weeks' time. Roosters and Manly are duking it out for that fourth spot um, for the Roosters. Like we said, that ruthless injury toll has carried on. They've got South this weekend, which with the troops they've got out, it's going to be a huge ask. Then they finish off with Canberra. And then you've got Manly, who are probably in the box seat now to grab that fourth spot and have that blockbuster week one between Manly Storm again. They've got the Bulldogs this weekend with Tom back, and I'm pretty sure they finish with the Cowboys. 
uh, and six V7s essentially locked in as well. The, the Parramatta Eels can't really move Just anywhere. Much, yeah. They're going to finish with the Storm of the Panthers. So it's highly unlikely they're going to find another win. And Newcastle, you doubt, would drop two games in a row to not finish seventh. So um, you've got Eels, Knights locked in, Storm v Roosters and or Eagles. Panthers, Rabbitohs locked in. And then you've either got Roosters or Eagles most likely to play, I'd say, Cronulla, but possibly Titans or Raiders. And Does it feel a little bit to you, and I was only thinking about this today, that Melbourne seemed to be a little bit like running into the finals, a little bit like how Penrith did last year, and Penrith seemed to be a little bit like what Melbourne were like last year. It's, all, it's almost like the roles have been reversed. Like Penrith was streaking and, you know, all the discussion was, who, you know, who's going to beat them? And... Melbourne sort of, you know, they, they rested and had some injuries and, and then obviously came good at the back end. It seems like the roles have really been reversed this year. So it'll be interesting to see how both teams manage that come finals time. Well, see, I kind of feel the opposite. And a lot of people have been commenting that they look like they're getting wobbly and they're falling over and this, that and the other. But Penrith last year had no origin. No, I'm not saying they're wobbly. I think, if anything, they're coming good like Melbourne did last year. I'm just trying to say Penrith... Last year, I'm not comparing to Melbourne because they weren't affected by Origin anywhere near as much. Oh, they weren't affected at all, as it was anybody. It was a clean run. They're a young side. They got to stay in Sydney for the whole year. Yeah, the streak and maybe a bit of the noise and no crowd. Like There's other factors to it, I guess. But for Melbourne this year, they've gone through Origin. They've had a huge toll. They had players missing at the start of the year. They didn't have Grant. They had him in and out of the side. You had Finucane miss six weeks to start with. Munster missed a few games. Pappenhausen missed 10 weeks. Like, Melbourne hasn't had a clean run. And I think no, I'm along... Saying, I'm not saying they are. It wasn't, it wasn't to go in and overanalyze all that stuff. No, I'm just saying, like, Penrith it's, last year were... Like, it seems like the roles are reversed. That's Penrith last year was virtually uninjured, uninterrupted. Streaking. And like streaking. Issue, but I feel that Melbourne's kept this alive regardless of who's been there. They've got rests in. They've managed origin. They've build up some really, really good depth in their squad. And I think now, what we've seen the last few weeks, hopefully, which is something they've done in the past, is a heavy training load to try and peak at the right time. So I'm uh, I'm really hoping they drop the hammer either week one or the last round like you're speaking of. But, yeah, I, I think they're going through a heavy training phase. They're starting to rest blokes. They've been extra cautious with Nelson, Tui, Dale's having another week off this week. I, I think they're trying to prime themselves to make sure they've got the absolute best possible chance to win the trophy and that, that's why I get the feeling I think if they do or don't break this record because they're resting players again this week weekend um, that listen to Bellamy he's more than happy uh, on the bigger picture which is to win the competition and he's, he's heaped a lot of praise on this tide and he's heaped a lot of praise on the 75 rooster side as well which is another reason why I think last round they'd, I think they may give that game away essentially to end that streak and just kill the noise to focus on the finals don't think so but, but we'll see yeah we will wait and see what happens there uh, moving on from that, like we talked about, that's our possible lineup for week one of the finals. Looking at that, um, like I said, I think it'll be Manly in fourth spot against the Roosters, which is a game that caused a lot of noise and a lot of differing opinion. That'll be a blockbuster. Penrith South, again, would be one to look forward to. And in talking about that, that's my tackle too. I've got here South Sydney from the weekend. Uh, their only losses this year, two to Panthers, two to Storm. Taking out of that game... Forget all the noise. Everyone's baffled on about referees and this, that, and the other and every other excuse under the sun. Are South Sydney a serious threat to the Panthers or the Melbourne Storm? Yeah, I think they are. <clears throat> but they need conditions to suit. 
they can't have an 11 1 penalty count against them. Uh, they're probably going to need a favourable penalty count. They're, they, they, like, you can put all the referee stuff aside and just say, did they get the rub of the green the other night? No, they didn't. Simple as that. But that happens in footy. You need to be able to deal with it and still manage to win the game. Um, but on, on an even, fair track, 50 50 ball, um, and everything being equal, I, I don't think they can. And that's but more I'm getting sides, at. If one of those sides are off, you know, make a lot of errors, have injuries, and they get conditions to suit Souths, and the game's played conducive to the way that they want to play it, they, they certainly can beat both those sides. Yeah. But I think it's more about whether Penrith or Melbourne allow Souths a style of game or underperform to the level where Souths can get into the game. Yeah, and that's more what I'm getting at. Take out all the so stuff. Yes, that... I think the, sh- the short answer is yes, but my long answer would be, you know, do I see it happening? Hmm. Probably, probably not. But you know what finals are like. Finals are a different ball game. You only need, you know, like if they get to a preliminary final and they're, they're going to play either South or Melbourne, you would think. Uh, so they're, they're going to play either Penrith or Melbourne, you would think. They, you become equal then. There's no advantage then for Penrith or Melbourne because it's knockout footy. So, and, and you would think that South are going to end up in that position. It's just about what they do in that 80 minutes. And they've also got this a bit of a reputation hanging over the head that they can't get past the preliminary final because is it, they've lost their last three? Three of the four, I think, or something like that, yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's three years in a row they've oh. lost in the preliminary final. They lost under Seabold and then the last two under under Bennett, I, I believe. Uh, so, yeah, they lost to Penrith and then the year before that they lost to the Roosters, I'm, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, sorry, they lost to Canberra and Canberra, and then the year before that under Seabold, they lost to the Roosters. So, yeah, this will be four years in a row. And that's, that's all it comes down to. I think, I think all the talking, you know, I heard the Fox commentators and the Nine commentators talking about it's almost like it's final after that result. Well, they can't compete, they can't beat them. Or, yeah, they certainly can. Well, you, you don't know. That's the plain and simple truth, but we, we don't know. that. The 80 minutes in a preliminary final, first job is they've got to get there. They're going to get to a preliminary final. And then second of all, they're going to perform in, on that stage against the side <clears> that if they run independent from Melbourne, they're not going to be favourites. They're going to be underdogs. Yeah. And I'm going to put it this way, though, in my opinion. If they don't win week one, I don't think they're going to be able to do it the long way around. I think... This, no, I, this, I don't think that much matters. So. Well, I, I think yeah. for them to go the, the long way around, I can't see them going four weeks in a row if they had a battle... With the Panthers drop back, say the Roosters somehow get through, or one of those teams pulls through, and they've come through a dog fight, and they go again, and then they have to come around the other side and play yeah, Melbourne. It's too many hypotheticals. I know, but I just think those top, the top four, are going to be a distinct advantage. I know there's a lot of chat this year about we should try and finish fifth. That's bullshit. But it's horseshit, man. Like you want two bites of the cherry, plain and simple. Uh, look, I think the big one for South is that they're not going to have that. Uh, Sydney crowd oh, I think that's going to play a part I, uh, not that you know Melbourne aren't going to have a crowd I think Melbourne are, Melbourne are going to have a lot of support up in Queensland obviously because they've got a lot of Queensland players um, but yeah I, I think Seattle missed that parochial crowd um, yeah I think Penrith will as well 
that, that's going to be a big factor for Penrith. We saw that crazy level of support they got last year. Whereas, you know, for teams like Melbourne and, you know, the Roosters that have just been there, done it for years and years and years, I don't think it's going to play a massive role. Well, I think the upside for Penrith, obviously, they've experienced last year, they've experienced those big games now. They've had a lot more guys push to the Origin Arena this year. That They should be a lot better equipped to deal with it. And yeah, but you know what, man? The, like, the, the grand final was only half full last year. We know what it's like, Suncorp, full house. Like, if, if the GF, we think it's going to be played at Suncorp, it, that'll, that'll be um, interesting, particularly if they run into Melbourne. You think Melbourne are probably... Who, who gets the crowd support if it's Melbourne, Penrith at Suncorp? Do you think Melbourne would yeah? I still think you'd get a lot of neutrals, but I think Melbourne... Yeah, yeah no, I agree, but who are the neutrals going to support? Oh, I, I think Melbourne's fairly well hated I everywhere, but... If it's in Sydney, it'll be it'd be um, the neutral support. Penrith, for sure. Oh, 100%. I think, wouldn't, wouldn't there, be. Mate, I think they'd support Melbourne. Well, how many, how many Melbourne... We've been to a million Melbourne grand finals, realistically, and it's never been anything probably more than, I'd say, 10% crowd-wise. Yeah, most of the time they play the Sydney team. Mm. This, that's what I'm saying. That they're not even if they play a Sydney team, it's not in Sydney. That that's yeah. It'd just be interesting to see how that all plays out. I think that's going to have an impact as well. But Melbourne, you can play on a goat track, and it wouldn't worry Melbourne. No. Well, tackle two, like we said, we talked about South serious or not, and again, being objective, not bringing all the media hype and bullshit and excuses. Just pure nitty gritty, looking at the performance, looking at the side. I still think possibly. Forwards-wise, they don't really match up as well, particularly against the Storm or the Panthers. And I know it's it's been a long time since they played Manly. They played Manly maybe round two when Manly were in that awful start. Like so, even Gage right. against them, we, we we don't really know what they do up against Manly. But from what we've seen on the eye test more recently, I, I honestly think Manly would probably be better off in the forward stakes as well at full strength. Maybe starting wise, um, I don't know, but. That'd be a cracker, yeah. So I don't know about South. So I think like you, head-to-head objectively, 80 minutes, all things going fair. If one of those two teams is at their best and so is South, I still think Storm and Panthers are a step above. I think they're a very good football side, but yeah. um, Like we said, week one's locked in. They're going to play Penrith again, so they've got two weeks to fine-tune things before that comes around. But tackle three, moving on. Uh, Storm, talking of these teams. This situation has got to come to a head sooner or later. Pappenhausen finally started on the weekend. Uh, they've had guys in and out. The situation with the nine, the situation with the one, the right edge now that George Jennings is out. We've seen Aramaya play a couple of games. Um, surely before finals, or hopefully before finals, they'll settle on a 1-17 to if they go full strength. But hypothetically, if they don't, week one, finals, Pappenhausen, is he your one? Is Nico on the bench? Do you consider changing your nine situation? I don't understand all the talk around this. I'll, give, I'll, I'll hit you straight here. I don't care who's leaving next year. I don't care about anything other than picking the best team and who's the hot hand. And at the moment, I'd really struggle to pick Pappenhausen over Heinz just because I don't think Pappenhausen has earned that jersey as yet. Uh, in terms of the nine, the the nine jersey, I, I think you just play Grant off the bench for the first 20. You roll um, 
Smith to 13. Yeah. You push Finucane up to the front row. You give one of your props a rest. And then you roll him. And you play a little bit small ball and you just let Smith go nuts at 13. And you, and you play Grant for the last 60 minutes. The only thing for me is if Hines is your one as compared to Pappenhausen, I think you get a lot more value with Hines as that bench utility. But then I was also sitting there the other day tinkering with the idea in my head. When Aaron Wise on that wing with Remus, they're a lot more exposed. Him and George, after the first few weeks, were much better defensively. They'd figured things out. They worked well together. The one thing I will say for Aramaya is for a young kid, his energy is absolutely outstanding. His yardage, his effort areas, all that stuff's really, really good. But in defense, he's very trigger happy. He likes to jump in. He cuts in front of the center. Um, he got caught out a few times the other week. So, you can fix that, bro. Yeah, I get that. In time for the finals, would you see any possibility? And I don't really like this idea more for the fact I think Remus has been so good at center that they would possibly put Nico at centre and push Remus to the wing or vice versa. And that way you could still have Nico at the back if he was on the wing instead nah, of centre nah. well, as a ball player. If, if, I'm do- if I'm doing that, I'm doing it now. I'm giving it and that's what I'm ways. asking. You've got to make a decision, obviously. There's if, absolutely no way in the world that I'm going to pull that out of my ass come finals time. No, nah, and I, I, wouldn't so, want to, I wouldn't want to upset. Yeah, and that's, that's why I think you're kidding yourself if you think that they're going to... They're going to give up a game like now from the from the run in. There's no way they're giving up a game. They, they don't have a game to give away. They've got too many little headaches that they need to they need to work out. They they need to hit week one of the finals and know who their best seventeen is. You don't do that by not playing blokes and not playing your best side or what you think is your best side for week one of the finals. They Melbourne are in a unique position where they've been able to win games with guys out. They're streaking all that stuff, but they've had their rest. They've had their injuries. Now it's about trying to find the best team to win the comp. And you don't do that by rest of the blokes who are fit to play, particularly when you don't know where they're going to play and what your best combinations are. Well, so I think over the next two weeks, they've really got to nut that out. For this week, like I said, they are still resting blokes. So Smith has come back this in. Week I get it. Then that's fine. Olam is back in. Harry Grant's back to the bench. Hughes, Tui Kamikamika was injured, so he's not rested, but he's back. So who's starting at nine? Brandon's back starting at nine. Right. So, yeah, well, that, that's, that's how the nine's going to work. I don't think there's an issue at nine. They've, the kept issue Dale, they've kept Dale out for another week, and Nelson's still not ready to go. Yeah, they, they don't need to play. You need to work out who's named at one. Pappenhausen's at one. Yeah. Right. So Nico's well, back to the bench. It sounds to me like he's... He's made that decision. I think next week he'll name his best 17. And he's got Eremiah back on the... I think Cronulla will get reamed. That, that's, that's where I, I'm sitting on. I know that's uh, probably against popular opinion, but I, if I'm Craig Bellamy, I'm not super comfortable with my team. Like, I'm comfortable where we're at in terms of wins and losses. It's not about wins and losses. It's about performance. It's about being comfortable that when you hit that first week of the finals, you've got to... You've got to have had reps with your best side. So I think, yeah, anyway, we're going around in circles. Yeah, I'm we'll, we'll see what happens, but more just trying to nut that out. I, I think Pappenhausen will end up being the one. I think they've already shown their hand. Well, there, he's, he's that name there. Nico, in terms of what they do there, how they roll him into the game, does he get sat for long periods? Do they put him out there to float? Do they tinker with that idea if they're not happy with Aramire in the end and just go, well... We're sticking you on the wing because you receive like you do at a fullback. You might be able to float in and out and still ball play. I, I don't know if they 
it's it's one of those things I I was sort oh, of they're really... covered, man. They're, they're covered because Brandon Smith can play <coughs> third and he can cover middle. Fanukin can cover prop, so you can carry Hines as yeah, well, fourteen and carry Harry Grant on the bench. I heard and just carry two middles. You got you got Felice that can play edge and play middle. Yeah, you, well, there's versatility all over the place, man. I'd, I'd be picking um, two big boppers on the bench and just go. Just up. Well, that's what they will be doing because I heard yeah, I heard a little bit of chatter in the media. You can't have both of them on the bench, and I'm like, well, that's where they're wrong oh, because shit. with Smith, exactly what you said, it's essentially one change to get Harry on the field who won't go off yeah. again. He will just push the lock, play some extra minutes, and then you'll roll in Nelson. Wait, and, Craig Bellamy's going to struggle to use his interchanges. Yeah, you're going to roll in Nelson and Tui for a power period to take off Welch yeah. and Bromwich, and then you've essentially got Nico there for any purpose you want. Yeah, and look, mate, I'm just working out with my sports science guys. What, what is, where's the cliff for those bench middles, right? So if, if they say like they can they can go fucking hard out for eight minutes, seven minutes, whatever it is, I'm then putting them on with that long to go in the first half, and I'm giving them that long to start the second half. Yeah, well, that that period of time off now for Tui and Nelson, compared to the ceiling of a Bromwich and a Welch who do play big minutes. Yeah, that's right. I think you've basically hit the nail on the head. I think they will have a power period with those guys and Brandon, and then you might see almost a triple rotation, and then that leaves you with a couple more at the back end of the game to punch somebody in the mouth to finish things off if you want to. Yeah. But, yeah. Or, or if things go well, you can split it. You can put one on. Yeah. You go, okay, well, and then, and then roll the other one on, you know, after that six or seven minutes into the second half and keep those changes up your sleeve. That's why you can't have a fixed interchange plan. No, there's no way. You've, you've got to be versatile with it, but um, and Hines got so many options. Yeah, Hines of all people gives you, as we've seen, fullback, well, wing, centre, half. They can use him in so many different ways. So that essentially, well, get on. well yeah, well, that, that's the reality. If uh, they're going to push forward with Pappenhausen, is he? And again, that pitches you with more changes for your middles. Mm. But they've no, got. I'd be saying that to Hines. I'd be comfortable saying that to Hines, mate. If there's not an injury from. One to seven, you're not getting on the field. Well, either that or they go. Well, if you know, I, I know it's probably half half with your fullback. It's probably not a good thing confidence wise for Pappenhausen, but if they felt that Pappenhausen wasn't getting the job done, they could 100%, throw. Hundred percent, he can hook. But but if you yeah. do that, you're going to have to stick with Hines because Hines has got nothing to lose. He's not going to be there next year. Correct. And Pappenhausen realistically has nothing to lose, but long term, you don't want to break his confidence. Because you've signed him for the next three seasons. So you're saying no, essentially... No, I, don't, I don't think Melbourne are an organisation that would allow that to happen. And if Hines was ever going to be dirty, he already would be dirty because he didn't get a single minute in last year's grand final, which I think they said is the first time in a long time that somebody didn't get on the field at all. And that was mainly a result of Brandon Smith getting symbiont that he didn't get to yeah. see the field. So he handled that like a that's champion. Pretty, He's been outstanding the whole time. So Yeah, that's footy. Yeah. Uh, that wraps up tackle three. So... On to tackle four, a bit of a different talking point, and there's been a little bit more the last few days, expansion. And the clubs that are in for expansion, the possible timeline of 2023 or 2024. Um, I'm not, not going to say I'm surprised that they're pushing forward with it all and, and forward planning, but again, with still a little bit of uncertainty financially um, and just what's happened and where well, we're going. Not. Have you seen the money in the bank for some of these? Stories? I know that, but in terms of the NRL, the game... You know the grant that's given out, what they're giving to clubs currently, is it going to affect anyone? Is it going to be a strain? Are they going to get more of the TV deal? It doesn't add another game, it's just an extra team. 
Um, out, out of these bids, have you seen much? Or have you looked much into these? Yeah, I saw a little bit. Um, I watched on Facebook today the interview with... Um, Shane, Shane Richardson. Richardson. Last night, he's just... He's a champion, Shane Richardson. I think he's one of the best best minds in rugby league. Like, anytime I hear him talk about business and admin and rugby league, I... I just I could sit there and listen to him talk for hours. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I heard a couple. There was a little, few little murmurs. I think Warren Smith started it on Twitter today or yesterday, saying that why don't they just bring two sides in straight away? I think they've got Redcliffe and the Firehawks that have got eighty and a hundred million dollars uh, respectively in the bank. They're both, um, you know, almost ready just to, to rock and roll. So. Why couldn't they just bring both in? And I, you know, everyone will argue about, well, we, we don't have the players, etc. But look, I, I don't think the issue is, in terms of pathways and players, the issue is not talent. The issue is not uh, that we don't have the players. We don't have the full time players there. Now, being at Mounties for the last sort of 18 months now, there's, there's guys there that can play in a row. But they can't play NRL while they're training part-time. And that these guys need to be training on a full-time basis. Because you can understand, you know, for those people that don't know sort of the ins and outs or, or the difference between, you know, a New South Wales Cup player, a Queensland Cup player and a full-time NRL player, like, the NRL guys are just living rugby league. They're going to train and going home, resting, massaging, physioing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The guys that are sort of player... 30 to 40 who are your top end New South Wales Cup guys a lot of those guys are, are labourers or they're scaffolders or they're brickies or they're you know they're teachers or, or whatever and they're working all day five days a week and footy they're doing that three times a week and then once on the weekend so that that comes at a significant disadvantage to them in terms of the level of performance and, and recovery that they're able to attain and it it there's just a gap there, a, a, a big gap. Now, I think if we can close that gap, and maybe the way to do it is to extend the uh, the squads of the NRL teams. Maybe you can have your top 30, but then you have maybe 10 development players. I don't, I don't know. To try and then stiffen up the depth that we can have when we bring these expansion teams in. We, we've really, really got to look at way on how we can develop more players and provide more pathways into... NRL training. I don't think I don't think it's NRL games. Like obviously, you, you, you need to play in the NRL to get experience. But the only way to be able to play there is to train there. And I, I don't think we're providing enough opportunities for blokes to to go and do that. That would be my biggest issue around expansion. I, I certainly don't think it's financial. I, I can understand what you're saying. If they only bring one in, and then we don't get that extra game. And obviously, then they're going to have to, you know, whatever the chop is might be less for each club. But in the end, the clubs have got to understand that once that second expansion team comes in, it's going to be more than make up for the money that they might shortfall, you know, in the two or three years, I think it is, before they bring in the, the other expansion team. So, yeah, it'll just be interesting to see what happens with COVID. Like, how much money do we lose this year? Well, that's more my point. Is that going to go down next year? So once they, I guess, count the pennies out of this year, 
Um, well, it's going to be a loss. They should make a decision around who the team is. And then oh, I think it's not so much about who it is, it's when they come in. But yeah, it's, it's really, I think it's a real positive thing for the game. I, I think as long as we get the pathway stuff right, we start developing these cup guys, give them more opportunities to train within our old teams, give them a little bit more wedge so they can, they can look after their families and uh, enough so that they're not having to even work full time. Maybe they just, you know, they have to work part time to give them that little bit of time to be able to try and push into, into you know, an arrow selection. Uh, but yeah, it's exciting. You know, who do I think? I, like last night, I Shane Richardson, if I was on the big team, he, he certainly spoke a good game. I think they're saying financially, Redcliffe have got more money in the bank. But well, they've got a stadium. I, I don't know, Louis. Like I, I, I'm not across that stuff. I, you know, you hear what you hear in the media, and there's agendas there as well about who they, who's given them information and who they know, etc. So I, I don't know, mate. Like you just got to trust that the big team make the right decision yeah. and away you go like mate that, that pocket from sort of south like that southeast Queensland pocket they've got a million juniors in there and they love their foot and rugby league and they're going to eat it up man it's, it's going to be outstanding and, mm. and part of his pitch part of his pitch is obviously their association with Brisbane Tigers who are a hundred year old club Money in the yeah. bank, assets. They've got like a total. I think he, the figures I saw were up to eighty million dollars in assets and bank, plus a little bit more. Yeah. They're looking to obviously tap into the twenty thousand plus participants in Southwest Queensland and beyond. They're looking to combat AFL, who are trying to push into that sort of area and Ipswich and invested over sixty million dollars. Um, so that's their bid. They seem very very strong. Richardson there is obviously a good thing, possible link with Bennett. Ipswich Jet side of things, Western Corridor, again, obviously huge potential. Lots of good players have come out of the area. There's not as much detail from them in terms of money, stability, what their whole situation is there. I think they're no chance because they're too far out of Brizzy. And then you look at the Dolphins. Dolphins, are, I guess the real question is, are they too close to Brisbane? Are they going to cannibalise one another or chop into Brisbane and the Gold Coast, which is another thing that the Firehawks put into their bid, that they were trying to really push the boat that they wouldn't tap into Brisbane and or try to affect the Gold Coast because they probably understand that there's been a lot of work to keep the Gold Coast going. Is it um, Redcliffe though, like 30 k's out of Brisbane? 40 kilometres north of Brisbane, so... So how are they going to chew into Brisbane? Oh, I guess... It's like Penrith to Penrith to the Roosters in terms of kilometres. In their situation, bank 100 million plus, they're probably better off than 80, 90% of the NRL clubs right now, in all honesty. Um, massive yeah, thing. I think they could easily bring them in and bring the Firehawks in. Like Firehawks are your other CBD team in Brisbane. They play at Suncorp, and then you bring Redcliffe in and have them play forty clicks north. I think that geographically just makes sense, doesn't it? Well, I don't really know the geographics of Brisbane. If I'm going to be completely honest, no, me, me either, mate. But I, my my thoughts around it were: I think they, they said Richardson said last night they're forty clicks out of Brisbane. I think he was talking about a fairly expansive sort of area. Like I think they were even talking about covering a bit of the Ipswich and Rockhampton, which is pushing real far up from memory. Yeah. Like Rocky, Rocky's not down near Brisbane. I thought Rocky no, was not, heading no. more in between or closer to North Queensland, or that corridor that the Ipswich team would probably be looking to aim at. Like we, we'd have some Queensland listeners right now who are like, "What the fuck are you two talking about?" From Penrith, because I honestly haven't really looked at a map, but. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I think the most important thing for this next one is more so that this team cannot be, no offence to the Gold Coast Titans, unstable or not viable financially. We need something that if it's going to come in, it's going to be able to stand on its own two legs and not have to ask for handouts or grants from the NRL if something does go wrong or we do have some tightness in the next few years in terms of budgeting or TV deals if something goes awry or anything post-COVID where they've obviously had to reach into their pocket again to float the rest of this competition. It needs to be yeah, someone who's going to stand. It's not only is that anyone from um, Brisbane will be saying, what the fuck are you talking about? I think the, the more, the stuff that we don't know is in terms of the politics and who's linked with who and how the city works in terms of rugby league. Redcliffe's fine. Well, I know Redcliffe's north enough to not be in the CBD of Brisbane. So they, they could coexist. It'd be, you know, Parramatta to Sydney or Penrith to Sydney. Right? That's not going to be an issue. Um, but it's just about whether, you know, Redcliffe certainly aren't going to play at Suncorp. So do they, is the appetite with this expansion team is the goal to have them playing at a Suncorp? If that's the goal, then I think the Firehawks are probably your, your best bet, right? But if you're then looking to have another team sit in nicely with pathways, I think Redcliffe's probably your bet. And if it's economics, then Redcliffe's your bet. Because you can then have a, have a side that's, you know, at the Gold Coast, 60 minutes north, you've got the Broncos. 40 minutes further north, you've got Redcliffe. Well, that, that makes sense, I guess, geographically. So, yeah, but people in, in Queensland would know more around, you know, who the links are with and how, how the, I guess, the political side of all of that works, which we're not privy to. Yeah, and I guess also just junior numbers, which is one thing he clarified a lot last night, which is the other thing. They were talking possibly, or they should be able to produce 70 plus percent of their own players and only reach externally long term, uh, hopefully yeah. for 25, 30 percent of the squad, which would be a similar model. Which you'd hope for. Well, it, it switches inland, I think. I think that's about the same distance inland. See, mate, theoretically, they could fucking give them all in an arrow franchise, and I, I, I reckon it would work. But obviously, they're not going to do that. So, no. I, I mean, it's just about what they what they want and what's best, either economically or in terms of where they want them situated. Mm. So, again, exciting. Well, the whole idea was, you know, we've got this fucking the best rugby league stadium in the world, and we're only having. You know, you're throwing Magic around, you throw Brisbane's games and then a handful of other games are taken there. NRL games, you're looking at about 25 per year well, played out of there. Probably less, and really. franchise in there, you've got week-to-week footy there. So hmm. I thought that was the idea of, of expansion into Brisbane, was to have another Brisbane side. But obviously these two bids are 40 minutes north, 40 minutes inland. So, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. I, yeah. Well, you'd think... Get them all licensed. You'd think for now there'd already be people travelling that far to come to a game anyway. It'd be no different to us no, going no, to the city. That's not my point, Louis. What I'm saying is that, that it's not like they're all going to they're all bidding for the same location. Like they're all sort of separate entities with their own positive needs. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. So hopefully, like I said, number one thing uh, pending this situation or what year they decide to come in. For me, it'd have to be 24. I think 23 is too soon. Yeah, my, my gut says 24. 23, if you said right now you're in, leaves you 12 months, which is not enough recruitment-wise. And whether they're telling the truth or not, Richardson said they're not 
pitching to anyone because they don't even exist yet. So it's just fantasy football. So I think easily you'd at least want to have that extra bit of time to look at the play rate, the market, look at who's going to be off contract. There's already been talk that Munster being from more up that way and part of that passage, and he's said it himself that Wayne's linked to it and he's, you know, from that way and that interests him, which I'm sure Melbourne would probably be rising, raising a little bit of eyebrow of all the times to be talking about that why right now. Um, but, you know, that's yeah, somebody... Did you actually say that or did someone put that in words from his mouth? No, nah, I'm pretty, pretty much talked about it that, you know, if Wayne Bennett was there and that was open, that'd be something he'd look towards. So uh, he's off in 23. So that, again, lines up with signing someone for 24. I think Pong is off in 24. He's someone else who's also a Queenslander. Uh, You never know. Harry Grant's contract situation, what happens there with Brandon Smith. Like, I'm sure they're marquee signing. They'll want a big Queenslander if it was to be one of those teams. Yeah. So, yeah, I think 24 would be ideal, but we'll see how that plays out with uh, any of those bids but yeah it seems like Dolphins Firehawks we have more detail in particular about financial stability and viability long term don't know as much about the Ipswich situation tackle five I don't want to half about it because we've gone over a lot and again for some people some weeks they might say well they didn't talk about this but if you listen week to week you've probably heard it but it's really starting to worry me because we're on the eve of finals about the inconsistency and the overdoing of the judiciary and the match review committee, the loading from priors and non-related charges and just just the charges in general. Like, I, I don't really think the Kalamatangi one was terrible, just like I didn't... I don't think, I don't think that was an intentional crusher. No, just like I didn't think the Angus Crichton one was. But then you go back a couple of weeks where I thought kick out turned someone... Someone else who got suspended on the weekend for a crusher Thompson. As well. Thompson got another one and his prize have got him three weeks that again. That ridiculous as well. I, I didn't think that was a deliberate crusher. And this is the problem though because the un... I thought a crusher was a second movement. Well, again, there's... Like, I just don't understand how they don't know the difference of unintentional... Well, like, I, I looked at both of them and went, like, fuck man, the guy holding the ball has contributed as much to that as what... That, and that's and that's and my point. People go, it's dangerous and neck injury. Yeah, I get all it's that. It's fucking right? footy. It's but it's fast. It's you can't it's control. Who contributes to that position? Yeah, but you can't control everything. In rugby league. Rugby league's not perfect. But yeah, we like. Do we want people just not to play? Like, are we, are we, do we really want the game geared towards yeah, people? Exactly. And that's exactly. it's not. It's like I said. It's not even just the base charge or the accident. It's the fact that the thing that really rubs people out is all these non-related priors for twenty percent and fifty percent here, like. Thompson's essentially end up with three weeks again for a bunch of unrelated fucking things. Yes, yeah. Like Angus Crichton's the other week, they're like, oh, you've got two prior, but that was the biggest accident of all. So it's like, as soon as you, you've made an accident in a physical game at a high speed, now you can have three weeks. Yeah, I'd be like, close. Matungi, and then, like I said a few weeks ago, I don't know if people remember, I forgot who they play, but kick out dead set turned someone into a suitcase, and there wasn't a word said. Yeah. So it's more that. It's not targeting Penrith or anything else, but it's just those examples where you're like, well, for fuck's sake, like, just be consistent with your judgments. And I want all these guys playing finals football. I want Kalama Tungi playing for South. So I want Kikau playing for Penrith. I want Crichton available. Like, why, why are we... It's one thing to rub somebody out, but it's another thing yeah, for... The, the, we said this before as well. The, it needs just to be set fire to. It's got to be... Yeah, this off-season, we talked about rules. No more fucking rule changes in terms of the game itself, but their big yeah. focus should be to fix the judiciary well, yeah, system. Like Fix the judiciary system because right now some of the things that pop up and they go, all right, this bloke did this on the weekend. You go, oh yeah, I remember that. He's out for three weeks, and you're like, what? 
Yeah. Like now reflecting on unrelated charges and then going to, like I said, Harawir and Ira, seven years without charges, like good on you. So he got his six rubbed down to three, but if it takes that long to get rewarded for good behaviour, you shouldn't be finding other unrelated incidents to find a way to get three weeks on any given incident. And then you've got Ash Taylor throwing an intentional knee. It's contrary conduct. That's it. Yeah. And I know other people would go, well, you're fucking... What, what, what about Munster? I'm like, well, I'm with you. Munster's kneed and kicked and all other things and get charged. Like, yeah. like we said, just we want consistency, but we shouldn't no, also... That's actually, like I spoke about before, for our um, regular listeners, it, like the difference between deliberate and an accident. Exactly. Like you deliberately elbow someone or knee someone. Yep. To me, that's far worse than an accidental crusher. Mm-hmm. And I, what, what other people interpret as a crusher, I certainly didn't interpret either as a, as a deliberate crusher. No, and I think Clemmer got extras with prize that weren't related to his charge from the weekend. And, you know, I, I didn't see the other incident. A lot of people apparently weren't happy with what happened to Josh Mansour. I didn't, I didn't really catch on as much for that one because I think I was dealing some work stuff at the time. But apparently when they came in, he copped a set of knees that cut him open. Oh, yeah, yeah I thought that was an accident as well. But yeah, I just think again the consistency, and that's the word we use with all there things. Was not, there was nothing in that. But we've talked about it in terms of the bunker, and I'm not going to go into more because we do it every week. There's there was bunker issues on the weekend. There was definitely referee issues on the weekend. But the real one that's yeah, worrying look me. At, look at the last try in the Warriors Broncos. Yeah, but the real one that's highlighted to me now is just more the, the match review committee and how we're coming up. Yeah, but it's just these ones more highlight to me because I'm like we're just about to hit finals. And if we have something like this happen in a prelim, I don't want to fucking... Yeah, the whole argument about the bunker was, let's going to get rid of the howl. Let's not get rid of the howl. It's interfering now. Now they're overdoing well, the, the it. The Manu Westcourt, how that didn't get picked up was a howl. The, and that, how they awarded that try to Xavier Coates is a howl. Aitken. The no, it was a no try, and then they've somehow overturned it. Sorry, yeah. The, um, but, yeah. And, it, and it's not like old video refs where it's, it was Coates' hand that I thought got, got um, made contact yeah well the, the rule used to be simultaneous benefit of the doubt goes to the attacking team but he also sent it up no try so if you can't yeah, guarantee if you can't guarantee that's a try they retain their challenge and you stick with the original call correct so and there was more from the weekend but the one I really wanted to highlight like I said was more players getting rubbed out because in finals you want your best players so unless someone's yeah. blatantly doing something and they deserve to be rubbed out, that's fine with me. But coming into finals to think that people have got loading and other unrelated prize that can get you three weeks, I don't want to be going into a game saying this bloke is missing, so they're no chance. Yeah, or, yeah. I, yeah, and, and I, you, I agree with that. And you know what happens in finals? The intensity goes up and there's more likelihood of mistakes or things getting a bit fire and things going wrong and we don't want people... Like the other year, the whole Billy Slater thing, and I thought it was a shoulder charge, I'm not going to defend that, but... That whole lead up for the it just fucking ruined the game for me. Not even a Melbourne yeah, fan, but I just I just looked at it and thought like we've ruined the whole week Look because of our jujitsu. Yeah, we've ruined the whole week though because all the focus is off the game because of our judicial system. Like since when did rugby league become a fucking court case? Like just have a system in place. Should be able to tell the difference between intentional, unintentional. Um, have some parameters around it, but you also shouldn't have so many things just tied to you. With loading and this prior and this is under yeah, like 100%. It's just, Let's it's, move on. We're smoking about it for too long. Fucking crock of shit. Yeah. Stop yeah. talking about it. I think the I think there's plenty of the listeners that probably 
agreeing with what we're saying, but they're probably sick of hearing about it. Mm. And oh. sick of seeing their players from their club, you know, irrespective of what club you you support, I think we'd all, all agree that we want to see the best players on the field. That gives us the best product. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, there was a lot of other... Find a better system. Just fucking put the lighter onto it. Throw in the fire pit. Mm. There was a lot of other small things I had here, you know, in terms of contracts, and obviously there's a few negatives, but we're not going to go into them. Everyone's seen them. There are a few away. Let's just um, sharp a few. But tackle six, just to sort of wrap up here, I thought the one I'd highlight um, situation-wise is the Bulldogs because a lot's starting to come out now that Gus has had his feet under the desk for a few weeks. We knew there was yeah. going to be some more moves and decisions made, but there was plenty of noise about Thompson throughout the week and apparently it was the Tigers and he's not keen. Uh, then James Graham's almost all but confirmed he's not looking to even extend because he doesn't know if he wants to be here beyond this contract. He's not planning on staying here long term. It's purely for business, but uh, all the talk about them trying to offload him seems to have been shut down now. But uh, more than enough talk that he's not happy with the salary cap, Gus, and there's some names that have been thrown around. Nick Cottrick's only been there for a year. He's been mentioned. Corey Allen's been mentioned. Elliot's just had his incident which for now to me I don't know what the fuck the incident is unless there's more to it because from anything I heard today I don't understand how two people that are on board with having having a patch is a big deal Um, but you know that's just me Uh, he's one that's up Flanagan Flanagan we already knew about but the thing about these contracts if you're in a bad situation is they need to be contracts you can potentially move so you may have paid overs for Kotrick, but he's young. There's going to be a buyer, that's right. Yeah, he's young. He's still a good player. Yes, they've overreached and paid, but he's someone that someone will pay half a million dollars more for, so they might be able to only have to pay 100000 for him. Kotrick. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Whereas, good. you know, you go to the other end of the spectrum and say, oh, well, Thompson, if Thompson really was on 850, I like Thompson, but there's no fucking way you're paying 850 for him. No, that, that, that'd be the issue. That'd be Gus's issue. So the, the, the thing he's about... Not, he's not saying that Thompson's a bad player. No. He's just saying you're paying... But that's all been... You're looking more than what you should for that position. Yeah, that's all but been it's shot. Exactly what he did at Penrith. Mm, it's all but been shot down now, but they... Apparently have a few decisions to make there. Like Alan's another oh, one. According to who? According to journalists. No, well, Gus has come out himself and said in now. In the end, he's, he's put some lines out there. This this is good business, right? You throw a few journalists to buy it, they print it, you know, and then clubs will start picking up the phone. Hey, I hear you want to, you know, move him. What, you know, what if what if we chip in this money? And then that's when negotiations start. So you might not hear anything for a little while, but. There's certainly, there's, there's absolutely no doubt in the world that they're looking to make moves because their cap is out of order and they're paying guys too much money. Well, the sad part is, and, and they've got guys there that they're paying a lot of money for that when you when you map out their starting 13, starting 17 next year, there's guys they're paying big money to that aren't going to be in that 17. Hmm. Well, the other issue and though, and I, I said this last year, Barrett took control, they got the club. They just fixed their salary cap, but the money they went out and spent, I thought they spent wrong. Like, Kotrick's not a centre. He's a winger. So I like the signing of Kotrick if you get him on the wing and for the right price. To pay six fifty yeah, for him to play centre. centre. The dogs to get him, they have to say, well, well, you, we'll, we'll play you in the centre. So you, like, that's how it works. You're, defe- you're already you've defeated the purpose, though. You've, you've undone your salary cap work, and you've already put your... No, I, I agree with what you're saying, but you know how it works. I know how it works, but that's just poor business. And now they've got somebody in less than 12 months later 
who's pointing out three or four contracts that they only just signed, saying these have really put us in a bad position. Yeah. Which, you know... Yeah, based, based on the fact that those players aren't playing up to that salary. And, like, Corey Allen, we, uh, for the few games he played, like we said, he had a good final series, but to think that that was going to be a good idea to pay half a million dollars yeah. off a handful of games and a debut for Queensland, which, let's be honest, it was... But, again, that's what, that's what size down at the bottom in the bottom four have to do. Yeah, well, they, they shouldn't yeah, have like, done it. They shouldn't have done it. They shouldn't, and I agree with you. But that's what they do. That's what desperate teams do. That's what desperate coaches do. And that's why you need someone like Phil Gould, who has experience in building rosters, building pathways, doing things the right way. You need someone like that with his feet under the desk to stop coaches and recruitment managers who are looking for the short-term fix or the win-now fix rather than just making long-term decisions and trying to gradually put one foot in front of the other and get out of it. Um, yeah, you think about what, what Gus did with Michael Jennings, sold him to the Roosters, Luke Lewis, sold him to the Sharks. So Yeah, like I said, that that, that, that that was a different situation. They were good players. Not really. Not, not really. Penrith were, mate, Penrith were in a similar situation to, to Canterbury. They, yeah, they're rep players. Oh, yeah. They're saleable. Yeah, it's different. It's different. That's it's different. the point I'm making. You don't have as many buyers. They're saleable. No. They're guys that you look no, at and go, oh, we'll take them. Yeah, but it's but it's the same It's the same issue. And you've got guys there that are good players, but they're getting paid yeah, too much. They also don't have Penrith's junior infrastructure. That's something that needs to be looked at. It's getting better. They've got a good SG ball group at the moment that they can work with, but that needs to be fixed as well because for a long time there, the dogs were always strong in that area. Yeah. But, yeah, I think there's some small moves on the radar. There was talk during the week. They signed a guy from Queensland Cup who, again, will be cheap labour to fill in the 30, who is a potential player, Josh Stuckey. They're looking at John Asiata to come back down on the cheap. Um, you know, when you're in this kind of situation, this is what you have to do for 12 months. There was even a link to Jaden Sullivan, which I'm sorry, Dragons fans, but already brought up that if Griffin's going to play this money ball and bring in guys and... It may be good business on the salary cap and dollars and cents, but are the moves you're making for long-term or just short-term? Because if not bettering your squad or putting you in a position to build long-term, you're going to alienate some of your young guys. So Sullivan's already on the radar there for an opportunity. And probably the most positive move I heard out of everything is there's a young hooker at South who we talked about probably 12 months ago, haven't talked to him this year because he's been injured, is Joshua Cook, who's played the junior reps for New South Wales, etc., has had a shoulder injury this year, so he probably would have played before Mamazoulos. But now they've got Mamazoulos in that young group. He's probably more, you know, dispensable for Souths in the current environment. But for a team like the Bulldogs, in their situation, this is one of those perfect moves. You get somebody who you can give plenty of NRL football to, who has great potential. They're going to have a much better forward pack next year, and you can potentially, if he's healthy, get a full season under his belt at nine without a whole lot of money or investment on potential or this, that and the other purely for opportunity and you, you may land yourself a long-term nine which is very hard to find. So that one's not confirmed yet but that's one I've heard is, is almost certainly done. So that's good business but I'll be very interested to see like we said, some of those names mentioned and the one I'm really going to have my eyes on now is what they do with Elliot because rightly or wrongly again, I'm not going to talk about the situation today but I, if that's all it is I think that's a load of horse shit in all honesty. Again, mate, I, I don't want to comment on it because I don't, I don't know. But it, again, it, it's the new age rugby league 
journalism story. I know, but let, I'll put it this way. It works. Like, I, I, it he, seems to storm in a teacup based on... He's got prize, right? We have, but... He's got prize. That, that's one thing. Sort of like, well, you know, he shouldn't have been out, he shouldn't have been doing this. It's like, well... But didn't did they... Do anything, did he do anything that... Egregious. From everything I saw, they were allowed to be there. They were in their situation. I'm assuming the NRLW girls were allowed to be there or in the bubble or their own bubble. I don't know. I don't know. From all things I read today, they've patched the bathroom. They've tried to go have a kiss in the bathroom and they've, he's been given the punt. But I'm like, okay, so if it's a tash on. Oh, they would have been, they would have been on the drink. And yeah, that's, I get that. But if they were there and it was all above board and they haven't been, you know, arrested or done anything to alienate anyone, bar a passion, a toilet where you, the place has told you to leave like I'm just more sitting here saying if they have a way here to possibly find a way out of a contract rightly or wrongly using the prior offences and somehow this is an offence I highly fucking doubt kissing someone in the bathroom is the biggest crime of the century unless there's more to it like we said that we don't know about but when I read well, that today isn't the, isn't the issue that they're not supposed to be going to pass I thought they were allowed to from reading today that that was a something they were allowed to do yeah, the, the, with the restrictions they're under, apparently they were allowed to be where they were. More ins and outs to it than what we're privy to. So I, mate, I, I don't know. Yeah, I just that—that's one I'll keep my eyes on because if there's an opportunity after just re-signing somebody to potentially find your way out of a contract, we've said it before. When people point the finger at players for not being loyal, clubs can turn things around just as quickly if they find it convenient. So. Um, yeah. No yeah, the club's working with an integrity unit. As a result, he's been stood down for the last two games of the season. I think, obviously, it's been brought up about the prior issues involving alcohol. This was the first time he's had a drink prior to this, and he'll miss those two games. But it doesn't say here anything in terms of, yeah, was it a breach? I think there was other players there. They're all with other players and partners and having dinner and a drink at a restaurant that I'm pretty sure they're allowed to be at, so... That's more what I, when they said, you know, they tried to have a kiss in the men's bathroom. Like, okay, they probably shouldn't be trying to sneak away. But, like, is it the crime of the century? We, none of us have ever kissed someone in public or done something like It's fucking hell. I, I don't know. There might be more to it. But when I read that today, I'm like, if this yeah, is just, wait, just thought, if this is all they've got and this is really the story, this is a fucking beat up. But, Bulldogs, keep your eyes on that one because with Gus about, and like we said, some of those comments and some of those things getting said, I think it's going to be a busy off season. Yeah, no doubt. So that wraps up set of six for this week. Let's jump into our power rankings brought to you by the Penrose Solar Centre. There is no one better if you're looking to get on board with solar. So give Jake and the crew a call today. And don't be sidelined this season by rising power bills. The team at Penrose Solar are dedicated to providing Western Sydney residents with the highest quality solar solutions and experience when it comes to tackling your bills. Let the team at PSC Get you over the trial line and save you thousands per year in energy costs. Call 1800 2930 today or visit www.penrosolar.com.au. Number one, Melbourne Storm. Yep. Number two, still the Penrith Panthers. Yep. Number three, I've stuck with South for now. Yep. Four is Manly. Yep. Five, the Roosters. Yep. Six, the Parramatta Seal. Yep. Seven, still Newcastle. Yep. And number eight, flip a coin, but for now, just with the draw, I've given it to Cronulla. Same. So there's not a whole lot to talk about. There's guys there that we said mathematically are a chance, but it's going to be a long shot. But realistically, it's down to Cronulla, 
the Titans and the Raiders, you would think. But Cronulla in the box seat with Brisbane this week. Um, and then depends what happens last round with Melbourne. But they have to win this week just in case. Yeah. And obviously hope that the Titans lose to Newcastle, who are pretty much booked in. And then you've got the Raiders, who are playing the Warriors, who mathematically have a chance. But um, I think there's a little bit more hope than I originally thought there would be for the Raiders. Because if they beat the Warriors, the Roosters are very injury riddled again at the moment. They, they might have a mathematical chance come last round to get in. But we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But big thanks again to the Penrith Solar Centre. Let's jump in and review those games from the weekend. And the first one was the Storm versus Titans game. Yes, flat start. Another average sort of performance. But you look at the troops they were missing. Six regular first graders out of the side. Um, jumped early. Jaden Campbell was just outstanding in the early stages. And Melbourne didn't help themselves with errors. And just overall did not look even close to the side we're used to seeing. But once they found their way back into the game, um, pretty much were never in doubt. I was... I don't know really what to think sort of about what the Titans are doing. I really like Campbell at one. I know Brimson's out, but like Ash Taylor, they still haven't made a call. Sexton has a few good weeks. He has one average game. They pun him like, if Taylor's not going to be there and Foggy's not ready to go, like how's Sexton not playing? I don't know how And then I watched the way Taylor carried on the other night. I'm like, why are we even fucking considering that he's going to be there anymore? Like, we shouldn't be. you're playing an understrength no, Melbourne. Yeah, you're playing an understrength Melbourne well, team. I wouldn't have played as soon as Fogarty came back. And it's clear that um, Sexton and Fogarty is your future. There's, there's no way that Ash Taylor is even in my best side. No, but I, I don't get it. But anyway. He was niggling and pushing and the net. I'm just like, well... It's just like you made a pretty cool play the ball era when we were all over Melbourne. And it's just like, oh, uh, you know, put, put your hand up. Oh, well, sorry, sorry, boys. And again, no offence, you might make the finals, but are you really going to make a dent? But you had a potential opportunity there to keep building. Oh, mate, they, if they get their best side on the field and they play well, they compete. But good luck. Good yeah. luck knowing what side's going to turn up. I still couldn't see him going any further than week two. They might win the first week. No, no, 100%. I but agree. I'm more pointing yeah, out, I, I when, when you've got something going with a kid like that who you definitely know is going to be there next year. You know, could they roll the Parramatta or roll the Roosters? Yeah, I think they, they probably could on their best, absolute best day. But they're not, they're not beating any of those other sides. They'll probably get smacked by 50 by the other sides. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, things definitely steadied for Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, 10-0 down, turn it round. Harry Grant was absolutely amazing. He just absolutely tore the ass out of their ruck. There were some better moments for Pappenhausen, why still shaky. Um, There's some nice moves there where he used his speed, got on the outside, turned a couple of blokes under. So he had his hand in a few tries, got a little bit of confidence there. But overall, it certainly wasn't the greatest performance by Melbourne. Uh, but it's just those little moments that are difference, like you said, for the Gold Coast Titans. So Ash Taylor, play the ball errors, errors in general, like David Fafita, just on the line, caught at marker, dead marine, Munster burrows under, two seconds later, Munster throws a dummy, he's gone, completely turned out, walk straight past him. Like that, Those little things, especially when you're playing a side, like you said, with that start, it's an 80-minute 80, 80 game. You can't give up the simple mistakes like that and expect to beat. No, he's, look, they were targeting two players. They were targeting Fafita and Ash Taylor, and they're both million-dollar players. Yep. Dave Fafita's played disgustingly well and disgustingly poorly. Like, he went through that streak there where four or five weeks where he was scoring 
you know, two tries a week, was dominating games, but, you know, realistically, he hasn't played up to his price tag at all. Mm. And again, so he, though... He's maybe played up his price tag for 25% of the year. And again, who were those games against, though? That's my been my issue the whole time. I, I don't know. I don't care. Any NRL game is, is difficult. Like, uh, when you start to talk about the who, what, when, where, and how, like, whatever, but you, you've got to play well every week. Simple mm. as that. And he just hasn't done it. Yeah, well, they've got two weeks to essentially save their season. They finish with Newcastle, who are directly in front of them. Warriors directly. Newcastle, you you shot ducks. Warriors directly behind them. Um, We know, like we said, that Brimson's not coming back. Um, Campbell at one looked good. Surely they persist with that. Surely Taylor's out, and Fogarty's playing with Sexton. The nine situation. We've talked about it before. Out of what they've got there, right? Well, Aaron Clark was diabolical the other night. Uh, again, I know you're not the biggest fan of Mitch Rain either, but Mitch Rain's better than Aaron Clark. Yeah, well, they're both like it's seriously. Yeah, well, out of those two, I'm taking Rain every day of the week. Yeah. But long term, that's something that needs to be addressed. I don't know if there's a way to, again, speaking out loud, if they can't get someone next year. Could they convert somebody else to nine? I don't know. Would they? Look? I still think somebody like a Cade Cust, who's not sorted yet on the market for Manly, if he's not taken, he's the kind of guy I look at. I thought he was the one they were going to develop as a nine instead of a croaker, just because the way he naturally plays is aggressive. He likes to run. He likes to get out. Is that sort of an option? Um, I looked in my head thinking the way Campbell's played at one, if they persisted with that and put Brimson back to six, which is what he played the whole way through, with Sexton at seven, could they turn Fogarty into a nine? But I just don't think he's a strong enough defender. Could, you know, and it's a bit later. Yeah, he's, not, he's not an eighty-minute defender in the middle. No, and that's the thing. Like I'm just, I'm, I was coming up with these options in my head, going, "Well, realistically, well, that's the thing. There's, there's not many on the market. So, but if I was going to make a project out of one, I still think Cade Cust is someone I'd look at. But um, there was talk they signed Aaron Booth for Melbourne, who's a development player. Again, that's not fixing your problem long term, but at least he's a nine. But again, big hole for the Titans, for the Storm. Uh, there's not really much to take out of it. Like we said, they got the win, missing six regular players, got some games for a couple of guys. I think that's Seve's first appearance. The only real downside, I guess, is uh, George Jennings' first game back, injured straight away. Um, yeah. Some positives, obviously, seeing Grant get some good minutes and some more game time for guys like Maroa. Penne, etc. Um, but all your, your regulars did their job. Uh, and Pappenhausen obviously got another under his belt as well. Yeah. But moving on from that one, Manly against the Raiders, 19-18. Um, this is another one of those ones where people question Manly without Tom Travojevich and why can't they seem to put their best foot forward. But the first half in particular, under the pump, wasn't the greatest. Kicking game was poor. Control was poor. They had some moments, like the Ola Kawatu no-try and that, but uh, overall, Canberra showed up again. We're all over them. Tapine was outstanding. Couple of their forwards again. I think some of the unoutside backs made a good impact, but the second half, Manly just turned the screws, and it was probably more of what you would have expected without Tom. Cherry Evans' kicking game was immense. Um, the job they did turning them around and just working them over, the, the game that Suley had, like, dear Lord, I know... He's been patchy and in and out, and he's not really getting a look into the 17, and there's talk that there's a lot of teams interested, but he was outstanding. Um, but they still made it hard for themselves. They took control. They got the lead in it at the back end. 
they led in that try and then Schuster got Sinbin and gave the opportunity, I guess, for the long-range field goal. It was probably never going to come off, but still a little close for comfort, you'd, you'd say, for Manly. Yeah, I think it speaks more to Canberra, doesn't it? That they just they can compete, they can't win. Like, how many close games have they lost this year? Well, I think that's the seventh they've led by double digits. They've blown. There you go. Right. Manly had excuses. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's one player, though. I, I understand that, but he's the best player in the game. Still. So it makes a huge difference. And if Canberra are serious about playing finals footy, that's the game we've got to know. Simple as that. It's, yeah, they, they just fumbled and bumbled their way around and again got out to a lead. Like you said, they just... Once they get there, it's like they don't know... They don't know how to... Once they get to 12 nil, they don't know how to get themselves to 18 nil. Well, they don't quite have that mentality to put the foot on the throat for whatever reason this year and really grind teams out. Uh, that, that's you know, that's not something that you know anyone analysing the game is going to have a have an answer for. It's you know, they, they've got to find an answer in and around you know whether it's an attitude thing or whether it's something within their performance that they need to look at, but. They, they could easily be in the top four, Canberra, with how many games they've blown. Well, even like I said, uh, even if you give them half the ones they've blown by double digits, they're in the eight easily. Yeah. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be talking about finals, but I guess a reflection of them is what we've talked about all year. There was, winning is winning's the habit, so it's losing. It's not yeah. losing. But even just the it's noise. We've seen nothing but noise all year. We had the Bateman situation yeah. and Hodgson situation, and he's been, in my opinion, outstanding in the way that he's spoken and handled everything because there's been all that noise plus George Williams and even today with the whole Curtis Scott thing, the players again opposed to the well, club. What happened there? I'm not privy to that. No, nah, I'm just saying the, the dividing. Yeah, what, what happened there? What did Curtis Scott say today? Oh, he's just saying that you know he, well, he hadn't had his day in court and they've sacked him and he's essentially saying that they preach about player welfare and that, but they've kicked me wife down and then they released the information about a fight he had with John Bateman, which was kept internal until he was gone. And we've obviously already had the problems between club and players who were very vocal against the club when George Williams went. So it was just another thing where I'm sitting there going, this whole year, despite the fact they've pulled themselves back in, we've heard nothing but noise and it's never a good thing when you've got club doing one thing, players saying another thing, media's constantly talking about how it's just continued the whole way. And this is another situation today where you have all the players and Jack White and putting a post up in support and Hodgson saying he's one of the best young blokes you'll ever meet and I'm not on the board I'm not going to give you a headline I don't want to talk about it like there's just been way too much around Canberra this year and we spoke about it before this off season if there's any more issues or infighting or blokes that aren't on board they just need to cut the fat yeah they've got a lot of talent there still they've had a one upside in the fact that guys like Tomoko, Smith Shields have been getting more footy and doing a good job. Hudson on his reintroduction has been good. 
Gould has been good, but they really need to get down to the crux of it. And if there's going to be constant divide and issue, they, they need to cut the fat. Yeah, I agree, mate. So, yeah, it's, they've been disappointing. That's There's no other way to put it. Manly's fantastic win. No turbo, great win. They're just... They're uh, a real threat. Threat to those top three. Ola Kawatu was outstanding. Um, different night for Schuster. Thought it was nice to see him defend. He's usually... Obviously, on the ball and risque and offloads and pushing it, but they more target him with a lot of traffic. I think he made 40-plus tackles, did a pretty good job. Cherry Evans, again, like I said, second half, kicking game, absolutely outstanding, and then just good contributions all around. But Sully certainly put himself in the shot front window. They talk, they're happy letting go. Some people would question, would you prefer him or Parker? I think he's a lot more dangerous in attack, but I haven't done it as close an analysis when you look at things defensively. I'm assuming they probably prefer Parker on that side of things, but I don't know. I also, from what I've heard them talk about before, heard them say that they've obviously probably got Parker on a pretty average deal because he's a solid footballer. He's not outstanding, but he's got chronic knee problems apparently. So if they have to manage somebody like that through the week and through your time, but you've got someone who's, you know, had a bit of a checkered pass but still as young and dangerous as what Suli is, surely that's got to be a consideration. Yeah, I think it'll be an economical economics decision, mate. Yeah, well, we already know they've got a tight cap. They've already got issues with the tap-out deal that's got a year to run on huge money, and they've got other guys there and that whole situation. But, yeah, I just look at him and what they've done with him and think he's still so young and got so much potential. Um, you know, they've found value, obviously, in Harper and Garrick and a few other guys. But, yeah, I, I just... I, I think he's someone I'm sitting there and going, if there's a way to work this out, I'd be trying to work it out. But I don't know, like you said, economically. And with the boost that's happened with an Olakowatu or Schuster and the elevation of a few of those guys, if it's going to be possible. But nevertheless, they got the job done. Um, disappointing again, like we said, for Canberra, but the positive, a few of those young guys. Panther South, 25-12. Um, this one had a lot of people fired up afterwards. Some... It was hard to read because it was a lot of pro-Panther or pro-South people. So, again, when it's your own team, you're obviously going to have a lot more feeling to it. But looking at it from the outside in, I thought, in particular, taking out all the noise, South needed to do more with that period of dominance they had in the first 30 minutes because if that was a bottom-end side or one of the poorer sides, I reckon they would have scored four, five, six tries. But against Penrith in 30 minutes where they had the ascendancy, had all the possession territory control, they came up with two tries. And whether you think those two tries from Penrith at the back end of the half were luck or not, that's the sort of team Penrith are. They yeah, can, they, well, they were lucky, but they were in the field position to take advantage of. And that's the sort of footy you come up with, though, when you've had that core group play together all the way through the game. No, I, mean, I, agree, I agree with what you're saying. Mm. I'm, what I'm saying is that there's no luck involved in where they are in terms of territory. Like, and when you're in good territory, you open yourself up and you put yourself in position for luck. I, I agree with you, mate. I thought they were... They started really strongly. They had their chances. They played some really good footy. But second half, they... It was just a completely different football side. I think that, that period before half-time that you've just spoken about probably rattled them a little bit. Mm. That they, you know, they were up 12-0 or whatever it was. And then, you know, in a space of, I think, six or seven minutes, it got back to 12-10 and... And half the time they would have been sitting there thinking, like, how is this a two-point game? Well, well, we pretty much dominated that half. And yeah, it's just... It's, it's the adage of what you said before. They, just, they, they played rattled. 
you've got to play for 80. And my biggest criticism all year is they don't play for 80 and they're going to need to against one of these sides. Yeah. And the other thing is maintaining high intensity in terms of defensive effort and then not errors or not getting frustrated. And do I think the penalty count was overzealous? Yes, but I still think the constant thing, well, we've got the lowest penalty rate, we've got this, we've got that. It's like we, You probably don't see a lot of penalties when you're tailing teams up all the time. But in the games that they've lost or in games like that with high pressure or frustration, you know, I, I think they boil over a little bit. And not so much just in the penalty thing, but in a general discipline and patience and composure, like second half, Cody Walker, who I absolutely love. There's no bigger fan of Cody Walker than me, and I've pushed his wheelbarrow here for years, but he did the opposite. He got over-emotional and overplayed his hand and threw some bad passes and got involved in the niggle. I think Reynolds did the complete opposite. He disappeared almost completely in the second half. You had Mansour, who, again, up against his old team, I get it, there's plenty of emotion and feeling, but smoked Naden in the head with a knee earlier, which I found funny that no one mentioned that one, but they brought up that he got kneed in the head. I'm not justifying when he got kneed, but he certainly gave Naden a good one early on, but once they found a weakness in him, he was awfully quiet. They bombed him to death. Clear, he was just putting up screamers left, right and centre. And then you got Luttrell, who... He's your man. He's your big dollar player. He's another guy that needs to come to the fore in these bigger games. And uh, I know they pointed the finger at Mansour, but I, I thought he left him in the lurch a few times late on a couple of those bombs as well. Yeah, he did. Definitely. So it's easy to point the finger and target one person, but I think he was just as responsible as poor old Mansour. <laughs> uh, but I was just more disappointed that even though I, I get it, the downtown thing doesn't happen very often. I, I think the only reason that got caught is because the ball ended up in Nico's hands. If he wasn't, Ended up with a ball. I don't think that would have yeah, been yeah. that. That one I think was a little overblown. And Still yeah, rule, yeah, I get it. Then look for all those excuses you want. If I'm a South person, I'm just looking at it objectively. When it's 80 minutes and when the pressure got turned the other way and Penrith turned it up, I thought South got frustrated and sort of fell away. And I think they added to their own woes. I, I'm not going to justify an 11-2 penalty count. I didn't think they're anywhere near that, near that bad. And the Laota thing's frustrating because, again, two or three weeks ago, common sense in that area should have been applied in the Melbourne Cowboys game where both of them scored a try where the lead runner had no effect on the play but was called back. Where the other night, they used common sense and said, well, it's had no effect on the play, but he has run behind him. It's got to be one or the other. Technically, it's the wrong call, but we've seen both sides go. So it's got to be one or the other. I I don't take that away from South fans at all. It should have been a no try by the letter of the law and what we've seen. But overall, objectively, take all that out of it. I think still in an 80-minute performance, I don't trust South. And that's the biggest thing I take away. Their patches are outstanding, but 80 minutes where you have to show some resolve and have to cycle and can't just attack and you're going to make errors or be put under pressure or might have a call or two go against you, I'm going to take Melbourne or the Panthers any day of the week over South. Yeah, I agree. And that's my biggest thing I took out of the other night. When things did turn, or even if rightly or wrongly, they got frustrated, they went within themselves, they couldn't fight back, and I thought their forward pack just disappeared. Their halves, one disappeared, and the other one tried to overplay his hand and got over-emotional. Yeah, I I still think they're a quality side, like you said, on the right day, with the right things going the right way and again possession and territory and rolling and getting those halves playing off the front foot there was positives to take out of it but I just don't know if they can play for 80 minutes well enough against those two teams in particular 
The first half, that Reynolds 40-20, that's one of the best 40-20s you will ever see. Yeah, it's better. And I'll tell you what, Cameron Murray, fucking hell, what a football player he is. He just absolutely... Yeah, pre-origin, pre-origin, I didn't think he was going that great, but... Um, yeah, post-origin, man, he's been unreal. Well, he had that huge injury in origin last year, so he was started a bit slow off rehab, I think. Um, but coming out of, like you said, slow start and origin this year, in particular this period on the run home, he's been outstanding. But the other night, oh, we talk about his play the ball all the time, but selection of run and little things people don't see when we gibber again from a coaching perspective about like running as a ruck player. Like A lot of the time people just watch a forward and go, it's just a hitter. He is so smart with what he does, where he sets himself up, how he runs, Starting like you know on a B or a C width, or when he starts tighter and isolates someone, he skips across defenders. He cuts back in when he starts wide, gets in behind the markers. He's just he's a very good football player. Yeah. And you know the amount of clean up work and dirty work, kick pressures. There's just lots of little things to him. Um, it was one of Cook's better games as well. But for the Penrith Panthers, Cleary elevated. You wouldn't even know that shoulder's a problem the way he's thrown himself around the last two weeks. He was outstanding. Um, Crichton's moved to cover at fullback. He looked great. Yo again, the way he played his game. Kikia looked good off the bench. I think Sorensen's still not getting the credit he deserves for his contributions. And I think the scarier part, why they were a little bit underdone and patchy, is they've been interrupted, not only for origin, but in between that, they've had other little injuries and suspensions. They've just got Pangai in for a game. They've just got their spine playing together again. They've still got the fish to come back, and they've got Toto back. So their best 17, uninterrupted at the start of the year, was 12-0. Yeah, there you go. So add Pengai to that and a little bit more confidence from the origin period on the run home, which I think this week I haven't seen the lineup yet. Yeah. They're, like you said, probably in a real position off resting guys and waiting and even the move for fish. Like he had the child, yes, but to give him an extra week. The amount of work he's done the past 20 or so months and last season, this season, that rest is going to be priceless, I think, for him. Yeah. So I'm hoping that Seas can bring a little bit more to the finals so we've got a bit more interest. But, yeah, Penrith, uh, good win for them on the night. Tigers, Cronulla, 50-12. to 50-20, um, to sorry, I... This one's more what Tigers fans are frustrated with all the time. Any time it seems to matter, whether it be the playoff for eight spot the other year that we watched and they got towed up or another game where they've played off to make the finals or this one this year is to play for the finals or to keep their hopes alive, to dish up what they did on the weekend. Um, they were terrible. Awful. They got... Disgusting. Uh, yeah, it's it an absolute slap in the face to Michael Roy. Yeah. And again, we've said it before, I don't know what the end result is here, but yeah, we could spend all the time on the Tigers, and I think people at Tiger Town are seeing a guy, rightly or wrongly, some people are like, oh, he just seems like he yells and swears and carries on. I'm seeing a man who's trying to drive standards and culture and a passion. You're obviously not going to see everything. You yeah. can't be the one. But he's, he's not playing, and that fucking group of players are just next to soulless. Uh, yeah, I, it's almost like if, if the Tigers let him go, they'd be doing him a favour because he's he's pleading, not leading, is how I would describe it. Mm. He's now pleading with them. He's trying to motivate them. 
which is disgraceful at a professional level. He shouldn't have to. Performance the other day to concede 50 points in a game to keep his season alive is nothing short of disgusting. Mm. And I, I know it's been spoken about plenty, but I think it's at that point. For Brooks' own sake as well, regardless of what you think of him, I think he needs to go somewhere else. Because I honestly, I honestly do think, to some extent, that some of his football and how he's turned out is a result of that club, not all just him. I still yeah. think if he ended up somewhere in a better environment and a fresh culture with more support and help around him, rather than the groundhog day he's probably been living in, that we might see better from Luke Brooks. But there's been questions: Will it be Maguire? Will it be Brooks? Will it be Pascoe, Hardigan, anyone else? I think the sad cycle of the Tigers will continue and more than likely it will be the coach or the halfback and the board and everyone else will stay and the same shit will probably still happen. Yeah. Um, they're talking about Sheen's coming back and this and that. And I heard two or three phone calls on Triple M on the weekend of people going, I used to play for this local junior club and this club and they've got this huge base out here and no one taps in it and everyone steals these players. Well, I don't know what rock they've been living under, but they struggle to fill in teams for half their junior clubs out there now. They're, yeah. they're in merged competitions whatever again what we've spoken about rock people are living under it's it's not as strong an area or as sparse an area or populated an area for rugby league as whatever it used to be despite the growth at Oran Park or any of those surrounding developments it hasn't just converted into extra people playing rugby league it will soon it's, it's going to come soon but right at this second they haven't quite seen that spike that they would like the issue is that they have group six and and West they have a CRL comp and a, and a New South yeah. Wales rugby league comp. and it shouldn't be that way they, they should be just one comp and the other issue more competitive games getting more players registered in the one pool but anyway that yeah we won't we won't go too much pretty familiar with how the junior league works out there They're, the biggest enemy of West and West Tigers is themselves yeah they okay. cannibalise each other they the West faction hate Balmain they circle Balmain on the calendar and that's the biggest game of the year if they ever run into each other which is you know their joint venture partner like that that, that whole organisation is is factioned and political and, and you know cannibalise it you're never going to have fluidity or um, everyone on the same page when you know you've got elements there that don't want uh, the other side of the, the joint venture to be there or feel as though that they're more important than the other side of the joint venture. It's, there's a whole heap of different things there that impact where the West Tigers are culturally, but you, you need to really, as the NRL coach and the NRL playing group, you, you've got to take all that out of it. You've got to perform. They're just, they're just not doing that. No. And I think... Uh, in terms of attracting talent, ball. When the West and the Balmain factions want to jam Balmain and West down kids' throats, they they don't care about Balmain and West. They've, they've never even seen Balmain and West play. And I've said this before. They they want to see a West Tigers logo, or they want to see a pathway in how they, you know, get to train alongside their NRL superstars, or you know, what's their pathway to progress at that club? That, that's what kids want. That's what player managers want. They, they don't give a shit about, uh, you know. The, the joint venture and all the political elements that, that people want to grind axes on in boardrooms and you know in hierarchical positions that elements of joint venture that have nothing to do with pathways or 
you know, the NRL team. That's, they're going to get their ducks in a row. And yeah, it's a, just, it was a very frustrating place to, to coach. Um, and the best thing I ever did was, was leave there, to be honest. Um, but I, I, there's still a lot of people there who I care about, who I want to see do well, and particularly a lot of the, the players that, you know, we developed over that three- and four-year period that are now sort of in that, you know, there's a few there that are in the, or a lot that are going to be in the flex side this year. Uh, you know, a few boys are pushing in the company and through the first grade that we had in, in Cubs. So that, that's good to see. But there's probably, to really start relying on your development, your pathways, they're probably still four years away from that. Yeah, and again, there's nothing that says that they won't change that direction again when Sheens comes back. Exactly. Because Sheens might have another difference of opinion. Well, I'm not saying he'll tear down a lot of the infrastructure, but in terms of principles, ideas, skill, like what sort of direction they want to take it, it might change again. Yeah. And I think the other worry they've got to take, I'm pretty sure I read about this last year, don't take my word for it, but I thought I saw something about South Sydney realising a lot of their members are no longer in South Sydney a lot have gone out west or they're generational fans and they're living particularly Campbelltown, MacArthur sort of area makes up like 30% of their membership. So I think they were partnering with MacArthur when they came in and starting to tap into that area a little bit more. So if they don't do more in their own area where they're already getting players taken away from them by the Bulldogs, by Parramatta, by Manly because they mismanaged a lot of it, they're also going to have somebody else who's going to tap in. Yeah, so it's just another front they've got to fight on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, for individuals or whatever in that game, like I said, their, their side of things was terrible. But for Cronulla, um, their back three was huge. Kennedy's development this year, he was outstanding again. The two wingers, it's pretty sad when two wingers are gutting up the middle. Militalo and Katawa were going straight through the guts of them. Uh, Moylan had a positive contribution when he came on late in the game. All around, they were really, really good. And I think for Trindle, that was a really good game. To put a marker on, he, he's, he's been pretty good since he got his opportunity. You can see why. He was a Queensland under-20s player and a, a captain of the flag teams and winning all the best player of the year awards and had a lot of raps coming through. It's yeah. a decision next year, like we know, that Moylan's got a one-year deal. Nico's coming. Trindle's a young talent. They've got Tracy. Metcalf finally got a game start the other night. He's a guy who's been at Manly and Sharks in between got his chance. So for Fitzgibbon, I'm, I'm sure he's just looking at the small wins right now, like the Trindle form, like his back three and the way they're playing and they're all young and just taking any little positives like that. Yeah, they, they were excellent. They, they got a lot of players out as well. They were just um, far more professional, far more polished, far more disciplined, and they got what they deserved. Yeah, completely agree. Knights, Dogs, I think this has been the story of the Knights the last few weeks. They got it done, but they certainly didn't get it done pretty, that's for sure. It was um, 22-6 at one stage to finish the game with the Bulldogs coming after and that try by Ockenbaugh was absolutely outstanding but Newcastle I've still got similar concerns they had a long period there missing key players missing spine lack of fluidity lack of attack heavily reliance on their forward pack back three errors they've sort of patched that up but now their forward pack they've had suspensions injuries Frizz missed a week Safidi who's been the heartbeats now missing for a couple of weeks potentially you've got now Clemmer who got suspended after having a blinder on the weekend but um, since they've sort of settled and got their spine back I think they've gone away 
from that forward dominance and building off that base, which they showed their, in my opinion, their blueprint was the Canberra game. They used the dominance of their middle to win before setting up those shift plays. The last few weeks, they haven't been establishing that role on. They haven't been earning the right to shift the football, and I think they've just had a lot of shifts for the sake of shifting with Pierce and Ponga and play breaking down and coming back inside. And it's it's been ugly, and, and it, in my head right now, I kind of sit there and think the same thing I thought at the start of the year. With everything that's happened, making the finals would be a positive, but I just don't see them progressing any further than week two. And if they did, it would have to be a side, obviously, that's busted, broken, injured, battered, and they play their best football. But, again, they're another one I just look at and think they're cannon fodder if they get in the finals. Yeah, I don't know about that, man. We're talking... um, I think they play their best footy when... when Pierce can get forward and pass short and run. Um, But they're... Yeah, they're struggling at the moment to find a bit of a an identity aren't they like yeah I, I agree with what you're saying I just think their highlights their forward pack that, that Canberra game anyone who watched that a few weeks ago I just yeah, sat there and through, I thought yeah. fuck where's this been like Canberra dominated a few teams a few weeks in a row with their forwards and Newcastle just turned up and said like fuck off essentially it's in the middle they yep. dominated their middle. They rolled through them. And when they got quick play of the balls and momentum, they shifted off that. And Ponga and Best were just playing on an edge there where Ponga was able to pass, run, create one-on-ones, pass early. Best was getting one-on-ones and offloading. Like, you know, Watson comes on and provides a spark. Their back three were safe and steady. But the last few weeks, it just feels clunky, broken down, forced, two sideways. Like, And even Pierce for, for a bit. Like, I'm looking at Pierce at the moment. He barely looks like he can run. I, I I don't think that hamstring's a hundred percent, but just they they're, they're doing too much with the ball. They need to settle it back down and get back to a little bit more of that yeah, forward. That's, that's more what I was alluding to. I think when he runs, play straight, they roll forward through the middle. You know, get the speedy boys going. Braley, you know, once he comes back, and just get him playing nice and straight. And that's going to open up some opportunities for for Pierce, and then on the back of that, Ponga. I really need to narrow their focus on Prince I think you're right. Well, for the Dogs, it's the same thing we said, rolling through some players. Um, you know, having Thompson back to positive, and now he's going to get suspended. The two Canberra boys have been great for him. They're going to go back to their club this week. So with that and a couple of injuries, and I think Waddell got suspended for pulling Ponga's headgear, which, again, like penalty sufficient, stuff like that. That's just crazy. Yeah, so I look at that now and go, fucking hell, they're going to struggle to name a team this week. But I think Hetherington's back. Uh, but one or two others are going to have to fill in now that they've lost those Canberra boys. So for the Bulldogs, plenty of effort again, but no result. And um, with two games left, and now Elliot missing as well, same deal. Anyone you haven't tried yet, anyone you're not sure of, anyone who's off contract, I results don't matter anymore. Results haven't mattered for a long time. They just need to nut out the best possible scenario in terms of who's going to be there, who's going to get another opportunity next year, who's worth another opportunity next year. Mm, yeah, well, near, yeah. Also, like to get some guys that you want to move, play some good footy. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, well, that's so the other thing. You can put them in the shop front. Trying to shop front potentially Flanagan and Allen and a couple other guys they might move. Yeah, like if if that's where you're going with it, then they've yeah. really got to work out a strategy and how they're going to get that done. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you. Uh, Eels Cowboys, was it a win? Yes. Was it against a great opposition? No. Did I feel that they still, you know, had moments where they invited Cowboys into the game and gave them opportunities? Yes. Um, Are there positives to take from the game? Well, yeah, they've got to win. They tried to attack. They were pretty loose at times. Um, You know, like your Papa Lee, he's been outstanding all year. I don't think there was anything surprising there. I think Murata and a few of those guys did a solid job, but there's still some guys that are like Nathan Brown to me, he's off the boil. He's making uncharacteristic errors and just looks unfocused. Um, you know, they talked about Moses, he had a really good game, etc. But again, it's it's against the Cowboys. We need to see that against Penrith, we need to see that against Melbourne, South, etc. and Gutherson, but um, just when you thought there was a little bit of a positive, they've lost Siva, it looks like, for the rest of the year. Um, I thought Blake again, like I said the other week, surprisingly, did, you won't find me saying this. I thought he was outstanding again. Um, had a good game of football, but yeah, this one's one of those ones I look at and go, it's a win, but it's not against great opposition. I find it hard to translate a lot of what they tried to do against a Penrith or a Storm. They're not going to be able to play that style of football. Uh, and I, if anything, I thought they left three or four tries on the field with the way they were playing. So. You know, it's probably a good thing for them to get some demons out and have a bit of fun and play some good footy. But yeah, Penrith and Storm the next two weeks, and he's basically said today on the radio, from what I heard, Brad Arthur, that we can't move anywhere. We have a couple of guys that haven't had a rest all year. So last round, he's talking about resting a lot of players against Penrith because it means nothing to try and freshen up for week one. Yeah. So he's obviously make, trying to make sure they get a win and they don't just get bow out after being in the top four for the whole year. But, um, yeah, I I still find it hard, like I said, to take a whole lot out of this performance. Me too. I thought it was a pretty ordinary game. Mm. And, again, like they they picked on the same old, same old. You're obviously going to target Drinkwater and Dearden and the young guy, Mossadriki. Uh, the brother of Sidaveni, who come up from the Bulldogs, and his brother played, I think, one game at South or the Dragons. Um, you know, debut for him, hard night. They target that edge. You got Arcee only playing his second or third game, and it's only his fifth or sixth game in career total. Lukey, Condon, like, you know, Nenai on the bench, Cotter's back from injury. They, they've got a lot of guys, again, young, inexperienced, playing their way through to finish the year off. So that, that's the other thing. Um, I'm, I'm, it's a good confidence builder, but you can't take much out of this for Parramatta. So, yeah, big loss with Sevo. Um, again, I don't think he was having a great year, but overall, they're already struggling in the outside back department. Um, they get Ferguson, I think, back this week. Still don't know what his future is. Dunster's safe without being outstanding, but yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a big ask against uh, the Storm. That's for sure. Hundred Good luck. Leaving that one behind. <sighs> Dragons. Roosters, interesting, interesting game. Uh, didn't expect to happen what happened, but I just can't believe the Roosters situation. Every week, it's something just seems to happen. It was a very entertaining game. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, so did I. And I tell you what, the the stadium, Clive Berghoff and Toowoomba, it looked awesome. Yeah. That kind of suburban ground with you know houses around it and the blokes with the scaffold and just that whole setup. I thought that was a corker spot. But yeah, I agree, mate. I thought it looked, looked really cool. For the Dragons, um, I know he's short of nine, but again, that's your own fault. Like, I thought they had Billy Britton. Is he in the bubble? I don't know. 
but he rolled with Maguire, who, you know, maybe five, six years ago could play there for Samoa, but start for an NRL team at this point in time, uh, not ideal. And you played Sullivan there after a while. I don't understand why you wouldn't have just put Clune there. Clune's a pretty good defender on the edge. You could have rotated that between the two of them. It was finally good to see Amone play, and I know Norman had a couple of moments later in the game, but I still sit here and scratch my head that he's not going to be there next year, as is Dufty, and he's playing at one. I keep saying it every week. Sloan at the back, Figai Ravalara on the wings, Bird Lomax, Amone Sullivan. Like, if you're going to token use Norman for anything at the moment, put him at nine or whatever. Like, you're done. But if you need a nine, at least put these kids who are your long-term future in the positions they're going to be playing. Yeah, we'll uh, talk less about that, more about the Roosters there. But, I agree with what you're saying. We the, said it for weeks. The Roosters um, swap for Lamb. I know a few people were like, oh, that's interesting. I, like, I don't think there's a whole lot to it. Lamb needs to play some footy. They're short on troops. Walker's busted up. Um, they've given him a rest. Now this week they've kind of given him half the game. And then when he was introduced after a couple of issues and injuries they had there with Kieran going off and obviously had Jared get turned into a Portuguese butterfly chicken at one stage there and Nat Butcher got hurt um, he made a great impact on the game late and it, pity about Nat Butcher but I tell you what Egan Butcher showed a lot of promise in his first few games he was outstanding yeah, um, and then again these other guys they call him like Ben Thomas not even on the radar at the start of the year you know, I don't even think he's part of the development setup. I think he's literally come from outside that to play Fletcher Baker's growth has been accelerated he was a junior prospect but accelerated we've said it before we've seen Tukapua we've seen Nafu White Satili get accelerated with no Cordner. Um, Walker obviously introduced the way he did. Manu's growth, Tedesco's growth as a leader. Like, there's been so many positives along with all the, the burden they've had to carry in the development character-wise and leader-wise and just resilience-wise of this Rooster side. But crazy to lead and then get reeled back in the way they did. But at the end, they just blew them to pieces. They absolutely lit up that left-hand edge. They punched through their middle. Um disappointing for the Dragons if you're watching that as a fan thinking well we're back in we got a chance here because realistically that win there really could have helped uh, put them in a position this week on nine they would have had some a glimmer of hope but I think now it's all but dashed it's gone yeah no, they were right in it with 20 to go and then they just got turkey slapped didn't they, they the Roosters just went up a gear and they couldn't go with them and you know to be fair a couple of the tries that they got particularly the one where Marty was run off the ball were probably against the, the run of play but uh, look they competed hard but yeah you, you look at the team selections and there's a few things there which we would both change uh, yeah oh, the Roosters just they um, they just continued to amaze me like it's it's unbelievable how they just keep rolling and rolling and rolling and injuries stack up and you know what they they finish the game with one on the bench yeah I think so yeah managed to um, Tedesco I know, I know we've, Tedesco's unreal yeah. I know I gave a little like again last week I credit praise the fact that he tries so hard but I think he overplayed his hand but fuck in the first half on the weekend I think he went over 200 metres Crazy, for the game I think he was 300 plus but yeah that, that track when I looked at it live I thought this sort of track is prime time Tedesco hot yeah. dry 
fast. Like if you want to see the best of a player like that, that has so many stop, start, change of directions, puts himself in the washing machine and spins around and bounces off players. Um, I was really confident <laughs> that he was going to have a good day. So much so that I had a decent bet for him to score a try, which he didn't, but he, he set three up or four up, which killed me. Um, and yeah, just ran for a cool 320 metres and three line breaks and 12 tackle breaks. So. Field day. Absolute fruit. And luckily for them, Jared must be doing some Pilates or yoga up there on the beaches because after he got butterflied, he emerged. Uh, in pretty good nick and just guys like Tupo guys you don't give anywhere near enough credit to I thought he was outstanding again um, Satili has been one of those guys like we said the development there and just some of their leaders as the years got harder and further along like I think Liu stepped up I think Toki's been better the last few weeks now that he seems healthy Hutchinson's continued to grow with the opportunities that he's been given so everyone's just stepped up and, and made every post a winner regardless of the situation and the hand they've been dealt. So if you're Robinson, you, I, I think, again, this is one of those years you'll look at at the end of your career and go, well, the premierships were great. Minor premierships were great, but like 2021, we just, we got smashed and we just kept turning up. I think I saw something today that they had a whole starting 13 of players that are now injured and or had to retire during the year that they could fill. Crazy, isn't it? Mm. Unreal, man. Like you said, there's years when you win and you're rats, but there's also years when you're just really proud and you feel as though you've been just successful because you've developed so many players and you've been able to maintain a standard of performance, irrespective of who's taking the field for you. Yeah, and I think we spoke about that earlier. There's, there's a lot of guys here that would have been probably another year or two away and being drip fed a game or two here or there or their opportunities I think now with that massive retirement and experience gone and injuries to the Morrises and Kiri etc like next year you've accelerated Walker to join Kiri and Teddy's found that leadership level and covered off that sort of thing for you you know you're going to have Manu Tupo Billy Smith hopefully finally is injury free the potential of Suwali with another preseason on his belt, if he's in your best side, and you're still going to have Jared, Toki, Verrill's hopefully healthy and with a full preseason, confident. Watson's going to be there off the bench there for a bit of rotation. Radley hopefully not suspended. Crichton, Satili, and then all those young guys we just talked about: Nafahu White, Tukapua, Lusik, who's had to play games. If they have Thomas Fletcher Baker, Egan Butcher, Nat Butcher, like. There's going to be a lot of guys there. They've got a lot more football and minutes and development out of this, which is going to help their overall top 30. Yep. So it's probably a good thing for the Roosters in that regard. Moving on, Broncos, Warriors, 24-22. I quite enjoyed this game as well. Um, it was built off. I thought it was a really, really good day for footy. Quite enjoyable. But, yeah, obviously some unhappy fans in particular with that last play in regards to the grounding. I'm of the opinion, again, I didn't think it was – clear cut and for that reason uh, I know the rule used to be benefit the doubt goes to the attacking team but under the new bunker system it went up no try if you can't guarantee that's a try they should have kept their challenge and stuck with the original call yeah, but luckily for the Broncos Reese Walsh uh, unluckily for him on a day where he wanted to prove a point to his old team had a Barry Crocker with the boot they scored more tries than the, the Broncos but he only kicked one yeah. from five so yeah. 
that's where it came down to, didn't it? Goal kicking. Mm, that uh, it really did hurt in the end, but. Um, I found it interesting the comments from Walters in that last week about Walsh. I, I'm not. I'm actually not surprised that uh, that the Warriors CEO responded quite vehemently in regards to that. Like, well, they're, they're saying anyone can come back, or they're walking him back. Well, why did you fucking let him go in the first place? Yeah. Like, it's a bit rich to suddenly come out and go. Oh, he can come back, or we'll take back anyone who's been here. It's like, well, if you were doing your job, you never would have ended up with us as is. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting, but again, good finish to the season. Otherwise, for Brisbane, um, thought again some good signs. In particular, seeing Milford play a good game. I know he's on the way out, and all that pressure might be off his shoulders. So, if you're a South fan, it's only one game, I guess. But to see some glimpses of some of that football um, and head into a new environment and a, a new team and having you know that pressure sort of off and out of that Brisbane bubble. Hopefully, we do see more of that next year. But for them. Uh, it's just those small things like we said changing attitude a couple of small changes with some guys there simplifying their football but that those circuit breakers like your Hetheringtons who just do the shit work and put their head down and bum up and a guy like Kelly when you're just looking for an opportunity that, that bounce of the ball that he come up with in that try there that, that's the Kelly that I grew up playing against he was a freak um, but yeah some good signs there still from your same old same olds your Farnworth who's reliable Week in, week out. You're Tessie New, who seems to be growing in confidence. And Haas is just a freak, honestly. To think where he could possibly be in another two or three years, he's is scary. Yeah, going well. I think Brisbane are going well. Uh, they're playing good footy. They're improving. Their defence is getting better. They're stuck with some combinations. So. Mm. I think the other part I found interesting, Kevy again talking about, you know, they're going to have to cart me out of here and, I want to be long-term and talking about contracts like it's all well and good to push that wheelbarrow but there's no fucking way I'm handing a contract over after just one year. It's a two-year deal. They've flipped a lot of players over. You're going to get a better idea of how they're going and his coaching next year when you've got Reynolds and a few more of those guys in there, whether that's the direction you want to take. And even if you were going to extend beyond next year, he's not the sort of guy I'm looking at going, we're going to give him a three- or four-year extension. No. Um, next. Imagine, look, whether you think it was the right appointment or not, he's um, he's improved the side. Mm. So oh, just more meaning. You know, if they keep going on this upward trajectory next year, then he will get a contract extension. And that's more what I mean. Like to bring it up now, I just thought that's now's not the time. Yeah, but that's you know probably smart from his perspective and smart from his management's perspective, trying to cash in when you know. I get that, so but going well. if you're Dave Donahue or Iken, are you really sitting there going, well, no, someone, someone's going to come and steal? That's not the point that I'm making. The I know. I'm making is, it's, you know, he's pushing now because the side's going well. Yeah, I get that, but I, we, we wouldn't say they're absolute world beaters. They're still equal second last. No, they're not, so, but they've, they've improved our side. Um, I think he's real, like I said, Gage will come next year with a few more of those guys and what he does with, say, Reynolds, etc., and bit more improvement these young guys but for the Warriors that little streak was going there's still mathematically a chance but that loss obviously hurts but I, again I just think they're one you look at and you just can't give enough raps to um, they've had injuries and chopping and changing all year and suspension and the Rogers situation and uh, are now going home and they've plugged along and they were they're right there they were right on the cusp and they've had so many close losses throughout the year but I'm just more hoping and praying and I touch wood, tap everything that they can get home next year 
and actually play in New Zealand and have some stability and get a decent run at things where, you know... Yeah, well, they will. They will. It's been a crazy two years and it, it's it's been a heavy toll, but uh, for them, I'm sitting there now kind of almost relieved if they made it that extra week. I know it doesn't seem like much, but whether they're Australian-based players or New Zealand-based players and how their pre-season is going to look, I think if anyone's looking forward to going back home or seeing family or friends or getting out of the bubble, it will be the worst. But there's been a lot of positives. Yeah, there's been a lot of positives, I think, just even on the back run in there. They've made some roster moves. Obviously, Walsh was a great pickup. Um, the development of Curran, Aiken now potentially long-term, he could play between the centre and the back row. That gives him an option. You know, there's obviously been some other guys that have been in and out across the year. I think Tavita Harris has showed some good signs. It'll be interesting to see him play next year. Um, So, still think nine is an area that I'm not really settled on, but I really do like young Otokolo, who came through for ball. He's going to get another off-season, so um, add Tohu back into the mix and a couple other guys that are injured at the moment, and fingers crossed next year, um, with a bit of stability and hopefully being at home, they can fight for the eight. Yeah. But that wraps up uh, the reviews of the rounds from the weekend. Tips, previews, and some betting odds brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with any bookie, do it with bluebet.com.au. Download the app today or visit the website. There is no one better than a true blue bookie. Uh, we had a punt on a front row on the weekend after winning two in a row, and we went down in flames. Who did you I went Jared. I thought about him or Toki. They both had a bit of a barge at one or two stages there. I was going to ride the Satili train, which is what I've been doing for a long time with Olip, Olip R2, but he let me down a few weeks in a, way, a row, so he got off, and then we got back on and he scored, and then Olip R2 scored again the other night. So. I've had a few punters message me saying he's still betting on Satili and Ola every week, and I'm like, most weeks I am. Yeah. So I had a week a win on Satili on the weekend, but the odds uh, weren't the greatest for either of them for our charity bet. So we were looking for a bit of value. Hopefully we can find some more value on the way in and we'll have some good promos heading into the finals, some blue bets, some juicy offers that we'll all be able to take advantage of and hopefully we can find a few more winners. Uh, but first game from the weekend will be Knights versus the Titans. And obviously, like we said, Knights almost locked in Titans crunch time uh, in terms of changes for this week. Peachy has been named at 5'8". Ash Taylor's out of the side. Kevin Proctor's been named despite that injury to his shoulder. Flotto Aker returns from a knee injury via the bench. So Sam Lasone drops to the reserves. David Fafita is back to the bench with more named to start again. Rain has been recorded hooker. Clark back to the bench and Philip Sami comes in with Greg Marju being dropped who I, I think has been really strong um, but yeah some changes there Sexton's in 18 possible late change there with Peachy shuffling somewhere else in the lineup potentially to 13 and pushing McIntyre back to the bench or Clark off the bench we'll wait and see but on the Newcastle side of things uh, for them Clemmer took the early guilty plea but with all that extra loading he has to miss a game. He's replaced by Suaso Sue. Frizzell's back from his one-game suspension, so Brody Jones goes back to the bench. And Sami Solo is back from a leg injury. He's in the reserves, but not named to play. What do you reckon here? Can your mob keep their season alive, Boxhead, or will the Knights win? Yeah, I think we win. Have to win. Titans to win. 
where's this at? This is at the Sunshine Coast Stadium. Oof. I'm going to go the Knights with not a lot of confidence. Yep, that's fair. Now, I think this is a game again that I'm assuming will be close to a pick'em, but I shan't be betting on it, that's for sure. Uh, but yeah. looking at the odds here with bluebet.com.au, it is not a pick'em, but it's very close. The Knights, slight favourites at a dollar eighty-five. The Titans, a dollar ninety-five. One and a half is the line there. Warriors Raiders is the early game on the Friday up at Mackay, and for the Warriors. Matt Lodge returns from suspension. Tamal Brown goes out of the side to the reserves. Wade Egan's named to start again with Tavunga on the bench. Josh Curran's been named despite a bad head knock at the back end of the game. And Sean O'Sullivan is the new 5'8 with Tavita Harris out of the side. Nick Arima is back on the bench after a crazy week leading up to the game last week where his partner gave birth to their second child. And for the Raiders... They've moved on from Sam Williams after having control of that seven for a while. Matt Frawley is now the new number seven. Rapana holds fullback. Nickel Clogstad's named on the bench again and still no sign of Jared Croker. So interesting to see what's going to happen there long term with his knee. Corey Horsberg returns from his stint at the Bulldogs. So Dunamis Louis drops out of the side. Saliba Harvilli comes back after a while out on the bench and Valame is in the reserves after that throat injury and is a possibility to line up. And last week, the 18th man was Trey Mooney, Australian schoolboy, New South Wales junior representative who they signed a few years ago from Para. Getting closer to a debut, we might potentially see him this week or next week, I think, before the season closes out. Yeah, well, wouldn't you? Um, uh, Raiders have to win. They'll win. Simples. Yeah, I think similar deal. Again, not a lot of confidence because... I think, you know, mathematically it's still there for the Warriors, but I think last week's going to be heartbreaking. Um, so I, I don't think they'll turn up and roll over by any stretch, but... No, I don't think so either, yeah, but there's a lot, There's a lot more there for the Raiders at this current point in time. So I'll go with the Raiders as well. And the odds with bluebet.com.au, $1.43 favourite are the Raiders. The Warriors are $2.80, minus 6.5 is the line there. Roosters South on Friday and the changes just keep on coming. Lachlan Lamb is now named in the centres with Adam Kieran out and Brad Abbey finally gets a game on the wing. I think it's his first game since like 2018 when he played with the Raiders. Walker back starting in the number seven. Verrills, Tokiaho and Uri Hargraves in the front row. Egan Butcher replaces his brother Nat to start in the back row. Tupanua and Liu and the bench... Ben Marshke playing, Nafahu White, Fletcher Baker, and Ben Thomas. It's essentially a whole new bench um, of all those guys we talked about before getting those opportunities this year, and they couldn't even name a full 21. They've got 20 players left. So 18, 19, and 20. Um, Mawala, Graham Torfa, one of the twins we've talked about. Tuku, Haotapua, and Daniel Saluka, Fita. Um, South for them, bounce-back opportunity. Mansour's going to be out with a knee problem potentially for the rest of the year. Colin Matungi got two weeks, which I think is crazy, but um, Jackson Paulo, he comes back into the side on the wing to replace Mansour, who's obviously out, and Jaden Sewer comes straight in to start in the back row. Other than that, not a whole lot of change for the South Sydney side, and, and purely, again, we're heading towards finals. They certainly won't roll over, but they're so on demand, you'd have to think South. Correct. South... And that bench, based, based on yeah, what you just said, yeah, that bench in particular, like 
I think it was Jesse that was playing, wasn't it? Out of the Marsky twins, not Ben. Is this Ben's first game, maybe? It might be, yeah. I'm just looking here. Yeah, I'm not sure if Ben's played. I thought Jesse was the one getting the games at nine. So this is potentially his debut. I'd have to double-check that before we get off. But, um, yeah, like Nafahu White, I think it's only his second or third game. Thomas has played limited time, Baker, etc. So they're not going to get a lot out of their rotation. You think there's going to be a heavy toll on Jared, Toki and those middles, etc. So for that reason, if Souths are serious, they should just try and melt them that first 25-30 and then really take advantage of any of those interchange periods. But it's reflected with the LT with BlueBet.com. The Roosters, $3.95, $1.25 South Sydney. Minus 11.5 is the line there. Who did you say got named? Ben or Jesse? Ben Marshke. I thought Jesse was the one who was playing earlier in the year. Uh, ben was the one the club was playing. Oh, it was Ben. Okay. I mixed the two up. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Dragons. Maybe nine or ten games, I would have thought. Mm, yeah, that's what I thought. For some reason, I thought it was Jesse, but it was Ben. Yeah. Uh, Dragons, Cowboys, kick us off. Rockhampton, Brown Park. There are plenty of games getting out to regional over the last few weeks. It's been good to see. Um, and this one, in terms of changes, the Dragons changes are plenty again. Sloan is now at fullback. Amone is at six again. The back line otherwise the same. Norman retains the seven. Jaden Sullivan is named to start at nine this week. Maguire goes back to the front row and Blake Laurie is back from injury. Sims goes back to the back row. DeBellin now back to 13. They've loaned in Freddie Lussick from the Roosters. So he's going to get some time playing nine off the bench. Fuimano's dropped to the bench. Alvaro and Jackson Ford are in. And uh, on the other side of that, for the Cowboys, Tamalolo, Kyle Felt, and Murray Tuolagi all return in a big boost for the Cowboys. Felt and Tuolagi take over on the wings with Holmes sliding into the centres. Mossadriki drops out of the side. Arcee drops out of the side as well for Holmes to make that shift to centre. And with that happening, Hammer, Hamiso, Tabuite, Fado is now the fullback halves are the same Condon Lukey Cotter named at lock and the bench has the two young blokes from the other week Jeremiah Nenai Griffin Neem again as well um, I don't know I've, I've got a bit of a sniff of an upset here from the Cowboys and I don't know why I'm thinking I trust the Dragons and I think this is all in for the Cowboys they're not going to want to lose what, 12 in a row to finish the season. Uh, they're not going to want that in their lives at all, and they run into Manly next week. So I think this is all in for the, the cows. Yeah, I think similar deal. It's not going to happen next week, so if they're going to get a win, this is it. Um, Otherwise, they're going to finish the season losing 12 in a row. Yeah. So for that reason alone and getting those few blokes back, this is going to be their best punch this week. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go with them as well, not with a lot of confidence. And with BlueBet.com, again, rightfully so, they're not that confident. They've got the Dragons slight favourites at $1.64. Cowboys, $2.25 outside on minus 3.5 is the line there. Sharks, Broncos, a bounce-back game potentially for Cronulla to get one back that they probably shouldn't have lost. They've stuck with Metcalf starting in the halves with Trindle. Marwin Hiroti comes in on the wing to replace Muli Talo, who had a blinder last week, and full credit to him the way he handled himself after the game. Um, they wanted to take him to hospital. He refused to leave. He wanted to see the game finish. He wanted to wave goodbye to the fans. He knew his season was over, and then he gave a pair of boots to that young fella, um, and his reaction was priceless. So yeah, it's unreal. Nice to see, um, and uh, really, really, really good by him. 
Uh, but Connor Tracy, he retrains his spot in the centres. Tolman's back from suspension. Billy Magulius goes out of the side. And for the Broncos, they are unchanged. So they're going to look at Coates. He pulled up with the elbow injury. But he'll more than likely be fine. Tyson Gamble has now undergone surgery and won't play again this season. But after Milford's game last week, I think they'll be happy just to let him play, obviously, for the last uh, game or two. And they've got Brendan Pryakura named again in the 21. Surely we see him before the end of the season. Surely. Yeah, I think they're an outside chance here, the Bronx. But uh, I think Sharks far more to play for, so I'll tip Cronulla. But yeah, Brisbane, they're not going to be a pushover. No, nah, I'm with you for the, purely for the reason that there's more to play for for the Sharks. I'm going with them. Um, but again, they've had plenty to play for in a couple of these games that I thought would be close and they've rolled over. Good confidence builder last week, so we'll see if they can build off that. But with bluebet.com.au, they are the favourite, forty-eight. The Broncos, 265, minus 5.5 is the line there. Um, Storm up against Para, like we said. Plenty of changes here. Brandon Smith's back at 9. Olam's back in the centres after being rested. Harry Grant goes back to the bench. Marion Seve out of the side. Hughes is back at half from concussion. Tui's back after a long-term layoff on the bench. And uh, Nico Hines goes back to the interchange as well. Dale Finucane has been given another week with his concussion. George Jennings reoccurred the same injury. So Dino Amaya gets another opportunity on the wing. And for Parramatta, Ferguson returns from his injury to replace Mike Asiva. And the only other change that is part of that four-game losing skid that they snapped is Ray Stone and Keegan Hipgrave are both into the bench. And they swap out with Will Smith and Oregon Kafusi. Um, plenty of good names back in for Melbourne despite a few going out history on the line uh, storm all the way yep no surprises there and the odds heavily reflect that with bluebet.com.au a dollar eight other Melbourne storm eight dollars a Parramatta minus twenty two and a half is the line there Manly versus the Bulldogs well dear lord Tommy's back in Parker's back, so Suley, after being close to man of the match, if not man of the match last week, out of the side. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's hard. Uh, yeah, Tawafawa Rasipli retains his spot starting with LIA named on the bench and on the Bulldogs, absolute carnage. So, obviously, we've got Elliot suspended, so he's out. Josh Jackson is the only forward remaining from the starting pack from last round. Luke Thompson suspended. Corey Waddell suspended. Horsberg and Ryan James both back at Canberra. They see Ava, Siamanafanaya and Jack Hetherington return along with Matt Dury and Joe Stimson who come into the back row. Bailey Biondo starts at dummy half after wearing number 14. Jackson DePine goes back to the bench probably to help the forward rotation and the rest of the bench is now Brennan Wakeham, Offahiki Ogden, Patolo, Sione Katoa. So... Yeah, that's a lot of outs. Elliot, Waddell, Horsberg, Thompson, James. And to be honest, the two guys they borrowed, including Thompson come back last week, were some of their better in the forwards. So um, if it already wasn't a hard enough task, it's just got harder. Yeah. Dory and Stimson on the edges. Stimson's barely played much football. Dory, again, still yeah. learning the ropes. The fact they're going to be marked up on Oleg R2 Schuster. I think they're going to have a field day. They're going to have quick play the balls for days. They're going to be shifting the football at will. I think this is going to be an absolute slaughter. 
can't see a lot of positives, unfortunately, for the Bulldogs. So the odds even heavier in this one with bluebet.com.au. It's a dollar oh three to Manly, twelve dollars for the Bulldogs. Minus twenty eight and a half is the line. So that's heavy. And the last game of the round, Panthers versus the Tigers, and I can feel a bit of vengeance here from that Origin game early in the year, where there was a, a bit of feeling and a, a lot of carry on. I'd like to say by the Tigers at Leichhardt there, but. Uh, it might be a different story this time around because Penrith look like this is basically full strength. Dylan Edwards has been named despite the head knock at fullback. Crichton and Brian Tyro returns early on the wing. Momorowski and Burton, the centres. Luai, Cleary. The front row is Leota, Coruscant and Fisher-Harris. The back row, Kikau, Catewell, Yo. The bench, Liam Martin, Tavita Pungo Jr., Scott Sorensen and Mitch Kenny. Sorry. Pretty much full strength, essentially. And in their 21, the extended bench, you've got Tago, Taylor May, Tyra May, Charlie Staines. I don't think you'll see Staines again this year. I spoke about it weeks ago. Whether it was Jennings, Taylor May, even now Crichton, there's just so much more out of yardage. There's more that a lot of those other guys offer. Even last week, the way Crichton played at one, if they keep him on the wing to keep Momorowski and Burton, you wouldn't be opposed to that. You'll still get plenty out of the backfield. You can involve him in rotating with Edwards. There's ways to get him involved. I think uh, Staines needs a little bit more time, probably in cup if he's not purely playing fullback, which he's not going to on this side. Yeah. But on the other side, Adam Dewey, huge blow. He's out with a knee injury. He's been basically their best player most weeks, week in, week out. McKaylee and Little return at proper and hook respectively. One week bans with Joel Fahangawi and Simpkin dropping back to the interchange. Alex Safar returns from a knee injury with Tukey Simpkins and Billy Walters relegated and Kelma Tuolungi is out of the squad altogether. I think he got injured at the back end of last week after a few good games. And James Tarmow, who's missed the past two games, he's been given another week to recover. So, again, I think uh, might be a hard week here. They've got Jock Madden coming in to replace Dewey with Brooks. You've got Cheekham, who's doing an admirable job, but he's out of position in the centres there. Uh, you know, Blue finally been getting some game time in the back row, which has been a positive for him. But you look at what Penrith just named, they're trying to tune up for the finals. Yeah, he's um, Yeah, I, I highly doubt they're going to show any mercy to the Tigers. Absolutely not. Nor should they. After the way the Tigers carried on. Between this and. Between this and. For this one are the same as the Manly game with bluebet.com.au. $1.03 at Penrith, $12 the Tigers, minus 20 and a half is the line. So the, the sad thing is the Tigers will probably get up for this. Probably, because Ivan and all the hate and everything else. But you can't they can't get up for you know a game last week to keep their season on watch. Work that out. No. That tells you everything about your culture you need to know. But yeah, I think Penrith will be up for this, not just because of the Tigers and uh, what happened earlier in the year, but they've got two games. They've had constant ins and outs, changes. Things are building nicely. This is basically full strength. 
So, yeah, I think the only thing left for them to sort out looking at this lineup is is Mitch Kenny the guy you carry on the bench moving forward, or does Tyra May get back in? Do they think they've got enough versatility between those forwards and prefer to carry someone who covers nine, or would they like to look at somebody for halves cover, but also looking at what they've got available with Kikau, Katewell, Pango on the bench, Matt Burton there if they lost a half or someone there. You don't really need May because you can move Burton into cover on those spots. You can push a Katewell out to the centres. You can put Pango into the back row. You can put Martin. So they've got one thing really left to work out. I think Sorensen's form has been undeniable, along with a Martin. Um, and the only other question is if they wanted to go the route of a fully loaded forward bench with Spencer Lent. Is name Momorowski on the wing or Crichton on the wing? Crichton's on the wing. Crichton on the wing, yeah. And again, Momorowski started the year great, moved out for a little bit. Um, I thought Ed Crichton was having a pretty average year, to be honest. He but was. He's... The last couple of weeks, he's come on. So I guess whatever's best for the team, if this is what they feel is best for them, which I, I think it looks like the best team on paper. It also covers up for that Staines hole. Um, and they get Brian back and Fish back. So it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Yep. That would. There you go. Those tips and odds brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with bluebet.com. They are a true group lucky. Thanks for backing us and our charity. Let's hopefully get a win this week. We're not going to get much odds out of those last three games, so we might have to find it elsewhere. Yeah. Because they're all hefty. But we'll wait for the try scorers to be listed. I don't think there's anything up just yet. But might be able to find ourselves something. Maybe there'll be a long order in one of those games in the big bopper department. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Just maybe. Uh, there you go big thanks to bluebet.com.au and to the Penrith Solar Centre and uh, to you Boxhead and to all the listeners out there thank you uh, thank you uh, thank you uh, yes uh, so we've got one more round after this and then it's finals we're on yeah looking so good looking forward to it expecting to hear probably something next week obviously in terms of uh, the plan from the NRL of how the finals are going to be played. We're assuming it's all going to be in Queensland in the grand final at Suncorp, especially with the way things have played out. They were talking about Victoria and here, there and everywhere, but with the way uh, COVID cases are playing out in Queensland, it seems like he's going to be an absolute no-brainer. So expecting something next week outlining the whole final series in Brisbane or Queensland in general. So, um, yeah, expecting grand final, semis, and I guess maybe between Suncorp and Gold Coast. And then, yeah, grand final. And obviously the prelims, you'd assume one of each at each ground or all the last three big games at, at Suncorp. Yeah. So there you go. Another week done and dusted. Rate, review us on iTunes. Listen on Acast, Spotify, anywhere where you find good podcasts. If you are bored, inboxes. If you want to talk about football, inboxes. Keep up the chat between yourselves on the discussion page. Seen some good chat there. People are a bit more active probably to amuse themselves during lockdown, which is always great. Uh, in particular, it's always good when you keep it about football and don't attack each other. That's good. Because <laughs> some people uh, at times get a bit narky. Let's try to keep it just on footy and not get personal. But as we say every single week, hope you're all doing well. Hope you're staying safe, active, 
healthy, talk to your family, talk to your friends, and we're here. Um, if you're feeling a bit stir crazy, and probably another plug that should have done again the last couple of weeks. If you are a small business, if you are a business, if you're looking for a plug or a promo or anything, let us know. Um, we've had questions about all sorts of things, about games, about coaching. Brock's emailed a few people some resources. I've answered some questions about junior development and coaching. Anything you've got, um, hit us up why lockdown's going on. Yeah. But for now, enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.